again, and welcome to the Mana Pool. This is, what did we just determine? Episode 264. You literally just asked that two seconds ago. But was I right? I don't think we determined if I was right. Anyway. You're right, 264. We're going to call it 264. It might be 264 Part B or something. Uh, I am Chewy, as always. With me, as always, are some other dorks. Dorks, sound off. Hey, I'm Brian. I'm the lead rambler. I tend to talk lots, except when I'm not talking, because I allow other people to talk from time to time. Uh, catch me later on The Brian Show. Actually, that doesn't exist. It would be horrifying. Your ears would probably bleed. Uh, hey, Mike. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm the rules guy. I'm the game lore guy. And I want to go ahead and say this before I forget later, but I had a I had a hey dummy moment when I read a comment on um, a recent episode. For all the times that we've had and rehad the conversation about angels depicted as male, none of us <laughs> ever remembers to mention guardian angel. I guess because it's not a creature. I was going to say, that's a spell. It doesn't count. I don't know if that counts. But it's a depiction of an angel in magic. Yeah. So, all right. And I'm Dirk, the self-proclaimed greenest man alive and moral compass of the group. And I don't know. I thought I had another title at some point. Oh, green man. Something like that. Sort of like Rain Man, but Green Man. I'll just uh, Sweetheart. Well, was, there was a, a thing on the forums about creatures and what they would be on the, in a zombie apocalypse thing, and I posted my response that I thought I'd have to go pull it up. But uh, I thought that Gideon Gerard would, would have to be, like, the hero, the tank, because obviously he's the guy who goes and, like, clears the path. So that everyone else can kind of go, we got your back, dude. And then the mascot would be a something something. I don't remember anymore. Oh, man cannon. Man cannon. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what Dirk is talking about. There's something you I'm not sure how this before. refers to him being Green Man, but you So know. we're I'm gonna shut Dirk up now because he's scaring I'm, me. We're, I'm uh, trying to beat Brian. Let me go let me have my time. Yeah, good luck with that. You don't you don't yeah, get time true. this episode because we have a special guest host joining us uh this week. Yes. You might know him from well, he seems to be all over the place. Hey, Graham, who are you and where are you from? Well, hey there, guys. Uh, my my name is Graham Stark. I'm from uh, Floating Ready Run. Well, I guess I'm, like, geographically I'm from Canada, but I'm with FloatingReadyRun.com. Um, we produce uh, um, Unskippable for The Escapist. We do Checkpoint for PATV. Um, but more uh, importantly for why I'm here is we also do a bunch of... Uh, Magic content. Um, we we did a mini series called Friday Nights for Wizards of the Coast. We do live drafts every week. We do uh, we do drafting videos on MTGO Academy, and uh, uh, we loves the magic. Awesome. Where where in Canada are you? The very very far west coast, Victoria, BC. We're on an island. Oh, that's cool. It is fun. It's uh, tough to get. Um, Tough to get to magic events, though, although we did have our first PTQ in town here, and we had, like, 160 people show up, so... Cool. So, obviously, there's a demand there for that, then, if, if you had that many people show up, so... Yeah, there is. I uh, I I don't want to say that we were responsible for that, because I don't think we were, but I think we might have helped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you certainly didn't hurt. Yeah. Truth. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, basically, we've been... Uh, um, our like whenever anyone asks us about any of our comedy, any of the stuff that we make, you know, like where do you get your ideas or whatever, and it's it's all stuff that we like. Like we do, we produce content that we thought 
that or that we think we find funny, and if other people find it funny, that's awesome. And mm-hmm. boy, a couple of years ago, we all got into magic in a big way, and mm-hmm. uh, so content about magic followed, and uh, you know, it just made sense that it would, and then it uh, sort of ballooned from there into you know, actually becoming friends with the guys at Wizards and getting involved in the online magic community, and it's been it's been really great. Awesome. Uh, Chewie is a stand-up comic, although he is yet to reach international fame, I believe. Well, I mean, people from other well, places I'm, have watched my YouTube video. Does that count? I'm from Canada, meaning I'm international, and I've never heard of him. So it's Exactly. Uh, yeah. You got a ways to go, man. <laughs> man, that was, that was brutal. Uh, <laughs> That's a lie. Of course I've heard of you, because I go to MTG Cast every week for limited resources. Ah, uh, in that case, you, you've probably heard of me, because if Marshall doesn't mention me at least once every six months or so, I'm going to cut him. I've been late to work, I don't know how many times, getting his stupid show posted. Yeah, no, I am, I am, I am familiar actually with many of the, of the podcasts on MTG Cast. That was another, another little dig. No, I, I am, I am, I am familiar with you guys. Excellent. How I feel that? somewhat gratified now. I, <laughs> oh god, his head got bigger. Uh, not 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 too gratified. Not like a. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the the first thing magic related that I saw from you guys was the uh, what was it called Friday nights? Yeah, I yeah. I saw those too. I love those. I I only saw them when they all went up though. I didn't realize they were being released until I was like, oh good, I can sit down and watch all these in a row. So yeah, they went up uh, once a week over the course of a over the course of a month. There was a long process of of getting those. To where they were, and then it was mm-hmm. just like, like the 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 pre-production and production process was really, really, really long because, mm-hmm. of course, when you're dealing with a company as big as Wizards, there's a lot of pre-production stuff to do. And then when it was finally done, it was like, and one, two, three, four, and they're out. Hold on. <laughs> and that's it. Oh, whole lot of wind up. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, here already. Yeah. Uh, so the link to those will be uh, in the show notes if anyone wants to go back and check those out. If you missed them, they're really quite funny. Okay. Mm-hmm. As a as a bit of a preamble, just to explain, there's a we do a bunch of different kinds of comedy, but one of the things we do is uh, sketch comedy. But some some weeks we won't do a sketch, and instead we'll do sort of an episode of an ongoing, basically a sitcom, I guess you could call it, of us playing exaggerated versions of ourselves um, mm-hmm. and what we're up to. And we did an episode that was just called "It's Magic," that was just about us getting into magic, and um, then we started talking to wizards about that. And so Friday nights is basically a spin-off of that, so it's us playing these characters of ourselves mm-hmm. in this sort of in this sort of uh, four-part miniseries, which may see a second season at some point. And I was just cool. about to ask that, so all right, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. you heard it here first. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I admit, that's, all I've all I've watched. That's an exclusive. Are... Hey, there we go. Chewie, <laughs> you better put a disclaimer up on the on the show notes. What were you gonna say, Mike? Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, I feel bad now. I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, I cut him off all the time. It's okay. Damn Go ahead. I was saying, um, I was saying that, uh, I admit all, all I've watched of, of your material is just the Friday night stuff and then a few things that I've seen come across on, um, Penny Arcade, but I really enjoyed Friday night, so it's good to hear that there might be a second season of it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. We had a lot of fun, uh, writing those and trying to, we really wanted to make sure that they were accessible. Like it would have been really easy for us to make them like 
really difficult to grasp for people who may not be as up on the game as we are. Uh-huh. And so we, we really wanted to try and sort of straddle this line where it was, it was still, where it was funny to people who were really into the game, uh, mm-hmm. but without being like just completely impractical for sort of newer players to, to get. Which it is. is it's tricky. It's been a while since I saw them. I, I saw them when they were posted, and that was quite a while ago. And I should have gone back to prepare for this episode and watch them, but I didn't. But I still remember there, there were a couple scenes in particular that, that really stood out to me. And one was where a newer player, um, I don't know if that was played by you or someone else, was getting instructed by like five or six different people on how to play the game. And they're all giving him fairly, fairly wildly inconsistent advice on what you should get out of it and what you look for in a booster pack and and the best way to collect cards and things like that and I was just like, it just spoke to me, but I think there's also just some inherent humor that anyone would get, so I thought overall, uh, it seemed like you guys also had a lot of fun and that came through for me, mm-hmm. so Well, that's 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 that is what we try to do, and it's uh, uh, yeah, that was um uh, it's, uh, one of our number, Paul, who likes the game and plays the game, but doesn't actually collect. So he hasn't mm-hmm. been like as into it as the rest of us. And so we sort of cast him as like the guy just getting into it. And then, yeah, we had, we had gotcha. one, one person being like, well, what you do is you find out what deck won the latest GP and you just mm-hmm. go and buy all those cards. And then we had someone else being like, no, no, I figured out this hilarious combo. And then we had someone else being like, I just w- decided I'd make a deck that was all cats. And, you know, <laughs> all these different just ways yeah. to have fun with the game. Yeah. But, so, but they were, but they of course were all telling Paul that that was the correct way to do it. Right. Because right. people have opinions about mm-hmm. magic. And their oh, opinion sure. is all is always the correct one. <laughs> My fun you, is better than your fun. If you go on to any uh, forum, if it's on Star City or MTG Salvation or MTG Cast uh, or Card Shark or anywhere, or you you get these wildly like this card is the best card ever. No, this is terrible. I hate this. I hate this whole deck. Blue is too good. Why hasn't Blue gotten any good cards in the last five years? Damn it! Ah, so. <laughs> And that's one of the things that I think is great, although you have to put up with it to a certain extent. It can drive you crazy, but these are people who are passionate about what they play, and isn't it great that this green, this game has people that are into it that much? Oh, yeah. So my, my favorite, which is to say the one that makes me weep the most, <laughs> um, is when I'm watching, when I'm reading the comments for any video content on the Magic Online Cube, because Everyone has very different, very strong opinions about how the cube should be drafted mm-hmm. and the correct pick. And like more so than normal, like if you're looking at like an RTR video, you know, generally people will be like, well, I could see an argument for taking this card, but that card's probably the pick. And people will generally be on side with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might get one or two people who's, you know, who's like, no, I hate that card because I had a bad experience with it once. And so now... Everything is ruined. Yeah. 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 But for cube, man, you'll be like, you took, you took Tundra over Badlands and I stopped watching. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, like, first pick was the wrong dual land and now I'm not watching any of your videos or. Because like, clearly you're an idiot. I mean. Exactly. And I'm bad-mouthing exactly. you to everyone. So <laughs> they, you're clearly I'm, a noob. 
Yeah, I've never seen a more divisive comment section with more disparate opinions than feedback on how to draft Cube correctly. It's wow. it's hilarious. I don't tend. I have actually drafted a little bit of online Cube and did not do terribly well at it and couldn't afford to keep doing it ad infinitum. So I haven't really followed along with that. But I will tell you, I mean, Cube is so powerful and there's so many choices that I can easily see people going a little nuts over. Is it better to take Tarmogoyf over Night of the Reliquary over Wrath of God? Da, 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 da. So, yeah. Well, the problem is, like, every basically every card in the cube would be a first pick in whatever format it was yeah. in, right? Yeah. And so you're right. just like, what do I do? Yeah, and that's where I run into problems with it. I'm like, I, this seems good, I guess. I like, uh, I, yeah. John from Limited Resources, his uh, technique is just take nothing but mana fixing for like the first like pack and a half, mm-hmm. and then just pick up really good expensive whatever spells you in, want in, yeah. in, in, <laughs> in whatever color because you can cast it by then. God, so um, he's dreamy and brilliant. Oh, oh yeah. Um, so getting away from that for a sec. So obviously you're you're very involved with the magic community, and I'm, and it's great that you're doing what you enjoy. Uh, do you is this your full time job or do you have a full time job uh, or are you unemployed like Chewy? Oh wait, no, Chewy has I was a job. Say, wait just a damn minute. Sorry, I'm so used to saying that. <laughs> well, or do you have a job that you hate? That's Chewy. That's Chewy. Thank you. No, I had one of those and it was it, I hated it. Um, no, it's I uh, um, uh, doing video production and content and and the videos for Loading Ready Run is my full-time job. It is for a couple of us. Um, cool. That's not, like, magic-specific, but <laughs> that's part of what we do. And, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Right. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm doing what I love. The, the ability to do what you love for a living is just awesome, and it's something that, you know, Chewie can only dream of. Because um, I so. love sitting around and, and eating Cheetos, and nobody's going to do <laughs> Man, someone someone needs to de- someone needs to develop that technology. Yeah, monetize that. You'll be a genius. Yeah. I know, right? You'll have books written about you. <laughs> so I would do you- the writing, but I'm too busy sitting on my couch eating cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> so Graham, when when you do play magic, what what sort of magic do you play? How do you play magic? Um, I'm a really big fan of limited. Um. Uh, I, I actually love sealed. I rarely get to do it because it's mostly the pre-releases. So I'm really looking forward to the pre-release for gate crash. Um, big fan of draft. I do as much drafting as I can, which is actually not very much because doing all this content keeps me super, super, super busy. But, um, I draft when I can and when I'm not drafting, I like when I'm working, I usually have someone else's draft videos or a Twitch stream up on my other monitor to sort of, you know, for sort of background noise while I'm working. And um uh the whole the whole crew just loves us some commander. Uh we were playing commander when it was called EDH and uh actually barely when now that I think about it when, when we got into commander was they they had the before they released commander they had a panel at PAX East and we were we we were at PAX and we were watching this panel and they were talking about how it was designed to be a a fun casual format that was just like it was just meant to be fun and silly and ridiculous. And the guy was saying, uh, you know, for example, you could make a commander deck with Kiki Jiki as your commander, but no one will play with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And not, uh, not at least after the first game. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so we, we came back from PAX East, and we were like, "Man, that sounds like so much fun!" And so we we all built commander decks, and we uh, we actually just the other day had a giant um, six person game of Commander Plane Chase. Wow, those can take forever. Set aside an evening. It actually started out hilariously because we the first plane was Nar Isle, which um, <laughs> to to remind you for the listeners watching, every upkeep you put, a, I think it's a flame counter on Nar Isle, and then you you take damage equal to the number of flame counters. Mm-hmm. And for the first couple passes, no one wanted to roll away from it because they were like, "Well, I've already been hurt." So it did mm-hmm. like one and then two and then three and then four and then five Let and then six. Let someone else then, take the damage. And, yeah, exactly. And then seven. And then we started being like, okay, we should start rolling out of here. And it missed rolls. It did eight and then it did nine and then it did ten. And by the time, uh, by the time we rolled away from it, the plane had done a total of 66 damage. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah, the, so we all the, the we game all knows when you want, the game knows when you want to leave and it's like, no, that's happened to us before. Yeah. That's cool. my my favorite plane chase commander victory, which uh, this is a uh, some of what we write is true to life. So this this may actually show up in 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 some video sometime. Was we ended up in Gold Meadow just forever, and I had just an embarrassment of goat tokens. I had so many zero one goat tokens, and uh, no one could get through to me, but I wasn't doing anything aggressive with all these zero-one goat tokens. <laughs> and then we finally roll away, and we get to a plane that all white creatures get plus two, plus two, and trample. <laughs> and the, awful. the swarm of goats wrought its horrid vengeance. And lo, on the sixth day there shall come a cloud of goats, <laughs> and all shall be smited under a bleating horn. Of bar, that's cool. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. You do get those great stories, and I think you know. I feel like we used to. First of all, we used to play more, and you know, we don't have the opportunity to opportunity to a lot. But we also used to play more sixty card Magic, and lately, it feels like a lot of what we do is Commander. Um, yeah, I I'd say played, for the I last two standard, years. I'm sorry, I cut you no, off. I'm, I'm just going to keep talking anyway. These guys will tell you. So <laughs> I haven't played um, Standard in a very long time. I, uh, we have a very affluent local Magic community, and uh-huh. uh, they can, uh, most of whom are really, really nice guys, which is nice, but uh-huh. they can afford to buy the decks that are really good. Mm-hmm. And our local Friday Night Magic is... We, we've done some asking around, and apparently our local FNM is... A lot more competitive than most people's FNMs are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, it became pay $6 to lose to a really good deck. So I was like, eh, I'm not really into standard. But then they started doing, um, they started doing drafts in the afternoon before the standard. And so I would do, I, I would do a lot of drafts. So That's cool. that was fun. But I'm not, I'm not really into, into standard. That's well, how most of the FNMs I've been to are. <laughs> That I think you, that can happen just about anywhere. Give the man your money and lose. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's why I like one of the local ones is that he gives out a lot of stuff, random cards. Um, it's a free tournament and he still gives out boosters. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Uh, you mentioned you love you you love sealed. I love sealed too. You know, there's a uh, GP coming up here in another month and it's sealed and we're all all of us except for Dirk are going. It's too close to his wife's due date. I'm assuming for him to go. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, so, are you pre-registered for the pre-release this weekend? And if so, I what sure are am. 
And what guild are you pledging allegiance to? Well, here's the thing. Uh, they haven't actually asked us yet. Oh, okay. And, which is good because it means I didn't have to decide, but I guess, I, I, I guess I ought to go on record now. Um, when, uh. Is this another exclusive? Yes! <laughs> I actually had, done an, these. I'd actually anticipated this question because when, when Return to Ravnica came out, it was not really a difficult question for me. Like, um, uh, Rakdos is fun. I like the aggressive, uh, aspects of that. Azorius can be neat. I thought Detain was cool. Um, uh, I, I love that Is It exists. Like, I love the concept of Is It. It is not for me. Like, it is not my play style. I just really, I just think it's a neat guild. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, like, no question for me it was Selesnya all the way. That was, that was what I was gonna play, for sure. And basically, before Return to Ravnica, I was like, sweet, I'll be Selesnya for this, and I'll be Boros for Gatecrash. Done. Easy. Um, but now, now that I know sort of how it's gonna work, and like how the, you, like now I have a better understanding of how this set will interact with itself, because we've seen how RTR did, uh, worked, um, and now that I have a different under, or a better understanding of the new mechanics, now I'm like, geez, I don't know, cause I'm really leaning heavily towards Simic, cause it sounds really fun. Boros still sounds awesome. Uh, I don't know, like, Demir seems cool, and that's neat and everything, but that's, again, it's, it's cool, it's not my guild. But, mm. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I toss up between Boros and Simic, and I just don't know where to go. Each of them, by the way, share one color with Selesnya, so, there you go. Green at heart. Yeah. We got somebody like that around here. Come yeah, I, to the Simic side, we have cookies! <laughs> I mean, they're eating um, cookies, but... Uh, a friend of mine who played Is It in the RTR pre-release is just—he—he he is the perfect Is It player. He once asked me, almost in all seriousness, "But how do you play Magic without counter spells?" <laughs> he is a—he like—he is an Is It player. He, yeah, he, carefully. In the sealed deck, he had an amazing, an amazing green deck, and I was like, "Why aren't you running?" Gr-? This was the M13 pre-release, I think. I was like, "Why aren't you running green?" He's like, "I don't know how to play green." I'm like, "You don't." You put guys on the board and then you turn them sideways. Yeah. That's oh, how you play green. That's all you have to do. But I, well, I that... love, I love the evolve mechanic. Um, uh, like I think in some, like just sort of looking at some of the cards and seeing how they interact, I think there's some really, really strong, strong commons. The, um, the Croconura is a really, really strong common, right? It's the one three with reach and evolve for three. Mm-hmm. You play any creature that's two power or greater, and it's a giant spider mm. for for one cheaper, and then it only gets bigger, and it stops all the flyers. And there's a lot of scary flyers. You want to be able to stop the Demir guy from swinging in with his vampire with that weird grind ability that's got something gross ciphered onto him. Like you want to be able to block stuff, and that, that that's just a really good common. Like there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of really really good stuff. Thanks a lot, then, Graham. Now I can't play Croconura. <laughs> And then Orzov looks, then Orzov looks super good too. I don't know. It's tough. I'm probably, uh, I don't know. I'm probably gonna have to say Simic. You don't, you don't have to decide until you walk in. That's cool. (laughs) We, we, we were pre-registered and, you know, I'm, there will probably be spots for people to walk in and say, I want, you know, XYZ. We went ahead and did it. Um, Shim Sham and Fru Fru over there are running Boros. That's Chewy and Mike. 
Um, that's why I call them in my head. Uh, you didn't know that. Um, I did not know that. Don't ask which, which one is which because it changes. <laughs> uh, Dark is running Simic to everyone's surprise, and oh, I actually, God. I actually took a long time, and I was either Orshov or Demir, and I just could not decide. And so I paid for everybody else first. I was like, and I'm Orshov. Because I had always said, kind of like you said, going into Return for Ravnica, you were like, I know what I'm doing this time, and I'll figure out the other one later. Last time, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know come spring, I'm going to be Orzhov. And then I kind of doubted it more and more as we were getting more spoilers. And in the end, I just decided to stay true to my gangster roots. Extort seems really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the reasons that I would want to play Orzov is so that I'm not on the losing side of that math. Yeah. Because extort is going to cause a lot of math because you'll be you'll be sitting there across from the Orzov player and you'll be like, okay, he's at this life total and I'm at this life total. I and this is the board state. I can do this much damage and I can get him to this and then on my next turn I can swing it for lethal unless he has a cheap spell. Any spell, it doesn't matter, because then you can activate four friggin' extort triggers, and suddenly he's up four, and I'm down four, and I can't plan for that, and it's it's going to be a mess. It's gonna, and and there, sure, sure, you've got to do that math too if you're the like if you're the Orzov player, but at least you're coming out ahead of it. Yeah, there are a lot, a lot of extort triggers. I was surprised when I was looking over the final spoiler. I was like. Wow, this is not on a handful of things. This is on a ton of things. So, I I have a feeling the Orzhov mirror matches are gonna be oh really kind of grindy. All right. Oh my god. I yes. gain three. You lose three. I swing for two. All right. Well, I gain I gain two, and you lose two. Uh, and I've got a, a life link, and da, 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 and it's like oh, so. Yeah, but in and uh, in you look at something on the other side of it. Uh, you look at uh, Boros. A card that looks really cool in Boros is the the Bomber Core. He's a one one two for two, and he has the Battalion ability. So if he and two other dudes attack, his thing triggers. Um, and it's when it when he attacks, deal one damage to target creature or player. Mm. Get a bunch of them. Three attack with just burn. If you attack with three of those guys. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> sure, they're only doing one damage, but then they're doing an additional one from their ping, and you can just you can actually just straight up kill a guy before blocks, or just do it to the dome, and it's like this. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of really cool looking stuff. Yeah, the battalion. Like if you look at a single guy with battalion, I know when we were previewing the angel, I was like, well, you know, this looks really cool. How often are you going to be attacking with four? It has to. It doesn't have haste, so you have to survive with it. But the thing is, if you take any two guys with Battalion, and you throw in a random third whatever, a, a Savannah Lion or, or whatever, and you just swing with those two, any, I figure any two Battalion triggers is pretty good. So if you can assemble yeah. that, you're, you're doing pretty well for yourself. Big so. time. Also, uh, there's a lot of ways to make lots of dudes in our... Um uh, we actually just started our own uh, casual magic podcast mm-hmm. called uh, Tap Tap Concede. Which and where we where might we find that? At uh, loadingreadyrun.com, where you can find all of our content. All right. Yeah. And um, and we 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 were talking about a card that we we love for flavor reasons. Just love it, which is a uh, murder investigation. Oh, that's awesome. It's uh one and a white for a creature enchantment, 
and you enchant a creature with it, when it dies, you get X 1-1 white soldier tokens uh, where X was that creature's power. Uh, it's um, one of our one of our guys, Paul, refers to that card as, What's all this then? <laughs> I the actually... Creature, the creature actually, dies, go ahead. and all the cops show up. <laughs> I actually complained a little bit about that on our show for flavor reasons. Not because I don't like the card, I think it's great, but the thing that bugged me most was that you start in a murder investigation while the creature's alive, and my mind went, Brr! and I kind of snapped my head to the side <laughs> a little bit. And I'm, you know, I'm conceding to the po- the point. I'm not, I'm not belittling it or anything like that. But that was my little, eh, button. So, but like you said, it's great with a divergent um, opinion. So what Just what I if- kind of find silly, somebody else goes, hey, that's cool. So. See if when that triggers and you put the and you put the tokens into play. See if you're not going hello hello hello. <laughs> what all have we thing? here? What's all this then? <laughs> the other one that we loved for flavor reasons was the uh, the was the the spotlight. It was oh, just, yeah. just yeah, like just spotlight flavor gorgeous. Like you know you shine a spotlight at them, then they lose their hexproof. It makes perfect sense. And then you sacrifice the spotlight, and then they've been blinded. So mm-hmm. your guys are. Can't be hit and they're unblockable. They just run right past. It's brilliant. Maybe, it. maybe at some point I can get out a murder investigation and a glaring spotlight at the same time, so I can look at my opponent and say, "What do you know? What do you know about what happened here today? Where were you?" I always wanted to be the bad cop. <laughs> Brian, I don't think you could be the bad cop. You don't think I could be a bad cop? Uh, no. no, I don't think not. so at all. Well. I guess it'll be one of those unrequited sort of things. You'd like slam your hands down on the table in front of the the suspect, and be like, "Oh, sorry, was that too loud?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe Dirk can be the bad cop. So I got a question for you. Okay. Yeah. In in like the first couple minutes of the show, you were talking about you were talking about Gideon, mm-hmm. and you said Gideon Jura, and I've always pronounced it Gideon Jura. And that that reminded me that planeswalker names are actually really difficult to get the right pronunciation of. It wasn't until playing Magic 2013 on the on, on the, the Xbox on the Xbox that there's a narration that I realized that Jace's name is Beleran, not Bellerin, and it's Garuk, not Garrick, as I've been pronouncing him. So wait a minute, it's not Garrick. Are you no, telling me that I, the Canadian guy was pronouncing things the same way that I do, and we were both wrong? That's weird. Yeah. Don't I have to kill myself now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently his name is Garuk. That's, huh, huh. The English actually in me is kind of like twitching a little bit, because some of those vowels aren't there. But You know, okay. since Nicol Bolas is the one doing... Uh, the narration, it's entirely possible he's pronouncing them wrong just to sow confusion and discord. Bolas. <laughs> Bolas. Nickel, I'm not kidding, Nickel Bolas. Oh, now I'm right? saying. Now right? you're doing we've, it. Now you're doing it. We've been pronouncing these names wrong this whole time. Are you an evil dragon? Uh, yeah. Actually, whenever, I, I was on the Community Cup team, uh, <laughs> last story. year, like the year, <laughs> And they, they asked me, what's your favorite card? And I was like, I can't, what, what, what's my favorite magic card of all time? Jeez. And I had to think back to when I originally played, you know, like schoolyard magic with your cards on the concrete, no sleeves. And, uh, it was the, like a mic place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
the original, the original Nicol Bolas. Mm. Bolas, whatever the hell. Because he's, he's, he's a dragon reading a book. He's like a dapper dragon man. He's like, well, yes, oh, fascinating. He's, he's sitting in a library reading a book, but he's a dragon. And I love that. And he wipes your memory out of it every time he hits it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. But he does it while he's reading his book with like a casual glance to the side, like, Meh. and next thing you know, you don't know who you are or where you were born. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if he actually has like a drink with him. I think he does. I'm going to look up the card art right now. No, he's just chilling. He's just chilling in his chair with a pile of books. He's like, yep. Just, uh, just reading, reading my books. God, <laughs> he's not even very good me. now. God. It <laughs> oh, okay. I guess, I guess that ability is pretty cool. And the original yeah, Nicol Bolas is, is really expensive. Mm. Doesn't it cost eight? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's two blue, blue, black, black, red, red for a 7-7 seven, seven flyer, and you have to pay, to pay the black, upkeep. red, every upkeep or sack him. Yeah. Well, but all of he's a 7-7 he's a seven, seven flyer, and whenever he deals combat damage to an opponent, they discard their whole hand. He's almost certainly one of the better ones of that cycle, because yeah. I always liked Chromium, because I oh, love Chromium the art. Chromium was awesome. And I'm like, yeah. yay, Crystal Dragon, and, you know, big Final Fantasy fan, and it's one of the first dragons I ever saw, and it was in Mike's collection. I'm like, will you trade me that? And he's like, Sure. Here you go. And I'm like, yay, Crystal Dragon. And I found out, like, how it works. And I'm like, yeah, that's really expensive. Okay, these abilities are kind of strange. Rampage. Okay, and then Nickel Bowles is like, oh, and I'm awesome. And I'm like, darn it. Why can't yeah, you be awesome? Rampage, jeez. It's Rampage 2, right? Yeah. That's ridiculous. I just liked uh, Arcade Sabbath, which, with his, like, castle and... Didn't he have butt breathing? Did he have sun pants? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that someone else has used the term butt breathing. Oh yeah. yeah. When we were, what were we talking about? The the foundry champion. Yeah. Yeah. Talking, yeah. Yeah. Where there's fire breathing and then there's butt breathing. No, that's terrible. Sun pants was the is the official word for it now. We wait. Did you guys think of that too? Because literally in our podcast in the first episode that we just put up on Saturday, we were talking about foundry champion and we were like. What do we call that ability? And we coined butt breathing and decided that would be what it was called. Yeah, that was, I think ours was from like two weeks ago, something like that. I, well, <laughs> must be right, everyone's thinking it. It's, it's gnosis. It's gnosis, an idea whose time has come. Yeah. Every, butt breathing, every good, butt breathing every, it shall be. Every good idea occurs in two places at the exact same time. Exactly. Like Armageddon and Deep Impact. We were looking it up and, um, because uh, fire breathing, of course, is based on the creature enchantment, and there's no uh, creature enchantment that does exactly that, because that would be a terrible enchantment. But there's holy armor and armor of faith are the two that do it. So we're like, I guess it's armor or shielding or something. But no, it's butt breathing. I, I think I think someone in our forums said holy armor question mark, and we're like, no, that's that's like, not. Yeah. It's just too obvious for any of us to think about. Yeah, yeah. but but breathing. Also, to your movie metaphor, I did a class on uh, on apocalyptic cinema. Uh-huh. It was called The End is Nigh, The Apocalypse on Film. And uh, my, my teacher described uh, Deep Impact as the rich dark chocolate to Armageddon's carob nut cluster. That sounds about right, yeah. Sometimes yeah. you feel like a nut, and sometimes... You want to slam a meteor into the earth and watch what people do. Sometimes just Bruce Willis dies. 
Lots of people died in that. Lots of people died in both those movies. Unless you don't count all the people in France. Well, screw them. That's like just saying something good about people in Canada, which, you know. You know, it's too bad that I don't know Graham better, because he would know I have this perpetual grudge against Canada. <laughs> He is a perpetual your, grudge your against whole, everyone. Your is it whole, because Chris Lansdale lives there? It is because Chris Lansdale lives there, yeah. <laughs> what is wrong with your website? Because John Lokes has it out for Canadians, too. Do you, do you, only, do you only support podcasts that just <laughs> rag on Canadians? Racism. I mean, the A-Team isn't on MTG Cast anymore, but they pulled out because they knew we were trying to destroy them. Mm. Well, there you go. So, so speaking of Canadia... Uh, if you don't mind my asking, I know some some Canadians don't like this because it's very personal. But but what size uh, uh, is your government issued polar bear? <laughs> well, that is that is a personal question. It's okay, true. Okay, I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> and what I you know, the I mean, big enough really is what it comes down to. <laughs> okay. how, how how I like big, this how, guy. He can come back. How large of a polar bear do you do you honestly need? Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't live in the frozen tundras of Canada, so <laughs> it's big enough to get around town. I have a I have a split level igloo, so I can have a slightly larger polar bear. Oh, nice! I um wait. I went, they don't have igloos in Canada. You're just fooling with me now. <laughs> I went to Disney World uh, a couple. Wow, it's actually been a while now. But at the beginning of December, and one of the attractions we went to is Epcot, and at Epcot they have the World Showcase, which uh, if Anybody's never been there has a section for all these different uh, countries around the world, and one of the places is Canada. And while we were waiting oh, no. on, <laughs> and while we were waiting, we had a lunch reservation reservation at the restaurant there, which Chewie has eaten at before, and it's Ugh. very good. It's the steakhouse. Um, we while we were waiting on that, we went into the attraction for Canada, which is actually uh, a giant theater. It has the the uh, camera wraps all the way around the room and it was shot with a special type of camera and film so that you get the whole perspective 360 degrees from where it's being shot and um it the theme for the film was oh canada misunderstood or something like that and it starts with there's this giant snowstorm blizzard showing and the announcer's like Canada frozen north nothing survives here but penguins and and all this <laughs> stuff and Martin short breaks in and he's like you don't know what you're talking about and he kind of takes over and then it actually gets a little more serious but fun and talking about things that are actually in Canada but I just thought it was just kind of funny because oh, wow, that's, that, that's that's reassuring because when you were like the Canada thing at Epcot Center in Florida. I was seriously, I was going to be like, it's going to be, it's going to be a kick line of Mounties. There's going to be, there's going to be like Margaret Trudeau riding a polar bear. Uh, we're going to have like Alan Thicke narrating it with Brian Adams doing the soundtrack, and everyone's going to be embarrassed about the whole thing. So that's that's in, that's encouraging to hear that you. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, and it's encouraging. And the 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 joke was nobody. Nobody in America really seems to get Canada and thinks it's just one big icicle. And there's a lot of stuff going on, so it was pretty well, cool. it doesn't help that we use uh, Celsius as our temperature measurement, and you use Fahrenheit. And so if you're looking at the news, if you're anywhere in the north of the U.S. and you look at the news, the news weather will typically display Fahrenheit in the States and Celsius in Canada. And so it looks like the second you get to the border, the temperature drops 30 degrees. <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> I, I will I will just rest easy knowing um, I have to know the answer to this question. Do you use uh, the metric system? Uh, yes, for everything other than how how tall someone is. And for that, you don't. Yeah, That's... it's 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 weird. Is we use we use, when we're driving, we use kilometers for distance. It's kilometers per hour. We we buy fluids in liters. Things are measured in grams and kilograms. But I am six foot three. I am not whatever that is in centimeters. I don't even know. It's oh. for some reason how tall people are <laughs> is still feet and inches, and I don't know why. Huh. It's like the vestigial stump of the English uh, measurement system. Yeah. I was afraid yeah. you were going to say you do it in Kelvin or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> Damn it, man! We measure we measure we measure distance in Kelvin. It's very strange. Yeah. I guess. See, listeners, Graham is on an island way over there on the west side, whereas West Side, west side whereas Chris Lansdale is on an island over there on the east side. So you can clearly see which side is the better side. Oh. I'm I'm the northwest side actually. See, it's very it's very damp here. <laughs> is it damp or is it moist? Both. That's hot. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's, no. It's temperate. <laughs> I've t- technically, we live in a temperate rainforest. It rains a lot, but the weather's nice. It's not super hot and it's not super cold. Actually, Victoria, where where I'm from, is said to have the, the mildest weather in Canada because we have warm summers and cool winters, but we don't tend to get massive heat waves or tons of snow because we're coastal. So that leads naturally into my next question, which is, can I come and live with you? Uh, yeah, we got a spare couch. Oh, sweet! That's where I sleep and, now. And that was the last we <laughs> saw of Chewy. Uh, but see, then I'll be closer to John Wilkes. Oh, so dreamy. <laughs> the dreamiest. I finally uh, got to meet Marshall. Uh, oh, nice. At uh, the GP in Charleston. And, you know, we've been uh, internet acquaintances for, well, since he started his show. I, I started listening at the beginning back in the day. And... It was so weird to finally, like, see each other and sit there and shoot the breeze and all that. And I had to ask him if John was as dreamy in person as he is on the Internet. And he said he's actually more so. And I was like, i got to get out there. <laughs> he's uh, also taller than you think. Because yeah, he sounds like he's about 4'6". Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is in Kelvin. But, like, Marshall is some sort of uh, monster, and John is... is like, if you see a picture of them beside each other, you assume that Marshall is, you know, like 5'11", 6 feet, and then John is, you know, 5'-something. No, Marshall's like 8'4", like I think. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned I'm 6'3", and when the first time I first time I met Marshall, I'm like, good lord. So, yeah, Marshall's like <laughs> about 8 feet tall, and uh, John is, uh, you know, probably a good 7, 7'3". Uh, <laughs> I'm lying. <laughs> no. that's, that's, they're, they, they are both taller than they appear. I don't know how tall they actually are. Clearly, they are not quite that tall. Well, Marshall is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, tangent. My bad. That was all me. My bad. Uh, so let's see. Polar bears and tap. So tap, tap, concede. What it, so what do you guys do there? Wait, uh, well, it's our casual magic podcast. We did... For years now, we've done just a Loading Ready Run podcast where we answer questions from our viewers and we talk about the videos that we've made recently. And um, then a lot of that, more and more of that, got taken over by talking about what video games we were playing. And so we spun that off into its own thing. So we were doing two podcasts. One was the Loading Ready Run podcast, and then one was a thing called Those Games We Played. And mm-hmm. it was just about the video games we played. And then that one 
started getting taken over more and more with questions and discussions about magic because that was the main thing we were playing. And so now we're doing three podcasts. We're doing the Loading Ready Run podcast. We're doing those games we played. And then we're doing a magic-only podcast called Tap Tap Concede where we only talk about magic and it's uh, casual magic. It's not uh, like if, if you're wanting to like learn something, if you're wanting to like step your game up, we're not. We're not there for you, but if you just want to, you know, have some some fun some fun chats about magic, much like yourselves, um, then then we are there. We did our we did our first episode. We did we did a cracker pack, just like Limited Resources does, except that our pack was from Prophecy. Whoa! It <laughs> was terrible. We're gonna do a we're gonna crack a different old weird pack every week. Wait a minute. When you say it was a Prophecy pack and it was terrible, isn't that kind of redundant? Yeah, I guess I should. Well, I we didn't know because we've never we never played we never played prophecy. We also did um uh magic uh magic trivia. I wrote I wrote a magic trivia question and asked uh asked uh, one of the co-hosts uh James to see if he could figure it out. You guys I actually just realized I have it on my phone. Do you want to take a belt of this oh, terrible yeah. magic trivia question? All right. Sure. sure. Sounds great. I'm going to read you eight creatures. Okay. Tell me which of these is not actually a magic card. Okay. All right. Riftwing Cloudskate, mm-hmm. Plaxcaster Frogling, mm-hmm. Pardic Firecat, mm-hmm. Deepwood Wolverine, Ravaging Riftworm, Baneful Woodfink, Trapjaw Kelpie, or Gravelgill Axe Shark. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the, the Woodfink. Sixth one. The sixth one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah, you guys are good. That is that is that is correct. That is the. I don't know. Up. Good is the right. Word. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should say you guys are sad because you were. <laughs> we had a couple different uh, uh, guesses that went all over the place, but I just want to point out that my my favorite creature name in the history of magic is on this list, which is Gravelgill Axe Shark. <laughs> it's sad, but I know it's from Shadowmoor. Like I can see yeah. It completely is. Exist. Yeah, it's just it's a yeah it's a five drop um, Demir card from Shadowmoor. That's a yeah it's just a three three. But the point is Axe Shark. <laughs> Although some of these Simic cards in this uh, latest set here, oh my god, Shamble Shark! Shamble Shark is the greatest. I love Shamble Shark. Look at him. Sorry, I'm looking at the art right now. He's great. <laughs> Drake Wing Crassus. Now you're just screwing with me. I'm a big fan also of, uh, there's, there's some really, really good, um, flavor text in this set, such as Adaptive Snapjaw, which is a 6-2 with Evolve, the flavor text for which is, eh, needs more toad. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> what I love about it also is that it, uh, it's a great Evolve recip, like it has Evolve, so it's a great Evolve, um, recipient, because it's a 6-2, so its toughness will frequently trigger. But it's six power, so it will frequently trigger other creatures evolve as well. It's just, it's, it's a really good enabler for that. I have liked to see that about, uh, the evolved guys. I think that was a really good choice as a way to design them so they actually work. Yeah. I thought that was really, really good. So, yeah, I'll probably be, probably be Simic at the pre-release. Repping the, the, uh, Fathom Mage. The promo art for which is baller. <laughs> oh, the, uh, well then, I hope you get a uh, Simic Manipulator. Those look like they're pretty good and oh, man. slightly yeah, Cthulhu-isk. So. Wait, which one was that? That's the... Um, it's one blue-blue for a... It, yeah, it's one blue-blue for a zero-one with Evolve. Um, and you tap it and remove one or more plus-one-plus-one plus one counters from him. 
to gain control of target creature with power less than or equal to the number of counters removed. Yeah, that guy. He's vaguely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like they get that creature back when they kill him. You just... He's he's yours now. Just yours. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you guys noticed they're doing that a lot more lately? The, the permanent yeah, the control? Yeah, give me that and you can't have it anymore, ha, ha, ha. Like the one with the chick with the, the, the neck thing that was looking at you from... Whatever that set was. Damn it, you know what I'm talking wow. about. From oh, Dark yeah. Ascension. Um, uh, yeah. The one from Dark Ascension. Yeah, see, he knows. I can't yeah, the. Oh, man. It's a mythic from Dark Ascension. Oh, yeah. The. Uh, tap to gain control of target creature with power less than or equal to the number of creatures you control. Yeah, that's her. Yeah. That's just gimme you, and now she can steal something bigger next turn. Like, really? Well, she costs five for a one. You know. So, Beguiler of Wills. There we go. There you go. Hmm. I like just the the blue, <laughs> the blue woman with the neck thing from that expansion. <laughs> and we were, oh, yeah. and we were, and we were all like, oh yeah, that card. <laughs> and we were being serious. We weren't just, uh, yeah, I know. What you're t- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's up with this guy? Well, I I uh, have to um, fade back into the streets of Ravnica pretty pretty shortly, um, right. which is to say, get back to work. Um, oh, you work in Ravnica? <laughs> watch <laughs> out for uh, Viashino. They seem kind of lizardy. Like the, like the Viashino, the the friggin' the shank tail. Yeah, <laughs> best name. <laughs> Who literally just has a shank attached to his tail? Yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so he I looks would, he looks scary. I would call myself a shank tail if I had one of those. Yeah. Well, but thanks. It's not like. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. Continue. No, no. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. No, it was an absolute pleasure, guys. I'm I'm glad that we finally managed to make our schedules line up. That I was able to uh, able to able to join in. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Behind the scenes, I've been trying to get Graham on for a while now, but he's bad at Twitter, and I'm bad at, at also Twitter. And he's worse at Twitter, and we're both bad at email, as listeners main, know. And the main problem is that today, uh, like, because you guys record on Wednesdays, we we record our checkpoint series for PATV on Wednesdays, and so right now there's people in the other room being like, uh, "Can we can we shoot or what?" And so I got to get back in there. Yeah, but right. uh, <laughs> so you need a cardboard cutout of you that they can just. Today on checkpoint, this cardboard cutout. Played by Charlie Brown's mom. Exactly. Did he have parents? Anyway, well, thank you very much, Graham. Um, so, you want to throw out a, a bunch of quick uh, contact information? Where can Absolutely. people find you um, if they're so interested? The main nexus for all of our stuff is loadingreadyrun.com. That's where you can find all the things that we link to uh, that are on our own site, that are on MTGO Academy, that are on The Escapist, that are on PATV, everything. LoadingReadyRun.com is your main nexus for that. We're on Facebook slash LoadingReadyRun. We're on Twitter at LoadingReadyRun. And if you want to follow our magic-specific Twitter, it is at LRRMTG. And uh, there, on there you can find out um, any of our magic-related content, uh, including our uh, weekly um, live stream drafting, which we... Uh, we get very involved with with uh, with the chat room, and it's a fun time for everyone. We draft goofy decks and try weird things. Currently, actually, we're in the process of. I'm not sure when this episode goes up, but we're in the process of 
forcing the five gate crash guilds in Return to Ravnica. <laughs> so we've, we've already done Boros, uh, we've already done Boros, which was pretty effective. Um, I've heard uh, this. Demir, which was just a train wreck. And Orzov, which was hilarious because we drafted the enchantments deck. We had three spheres of safety. And at one point, we just locked the game that we only had one creature, but, and they had a huge board, but they couldn't attack because for any one creature, they had to pay 15 colorless mana to attack, so they couldn't do it. I've seen, I've played against that deck, like, just in normal 60 card, and that's really weird, but I can't imagine in a draft. Ah, wow, that's crazy. Everyone passed the spheres of safety, and three of them came up, so we were like, grab it, grab it, grab it, we're running all three, and we just had like that, and ethereal armors, and we had one arrest, we even ran like a soul tithe. We had to, um, we didn't have any creatures at one point, and so we cast ethereal armor on our opponent's creature. Just to increase our yeah. enchantments, yeah, because yeah. they to make it more expensive. Yeah, because it, it, it meant that they couldn't attack. So it, it mm-hmm. didn't matter that they were stronger; they couldn't attack us. <laughs> so did they uh, ever sideboard in anything like Sundering Growth? When they could, but how much yeah. enchantment removal is there in that set? Not a Not, lot. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this uh, week we'll be we'll be trying for Simic or Gruel, and then whichever we don't do uh, this Thursday, we'll be doing uh, the remaining one next Thursday, and then at that point, Gate Crash ought to be up on Magic Online. So then you can force the Return to Ravnica. Uh, oh, we will. Oh, we will. <laughs> awesome. We are we are here for comedy, not for good good gameplay. That sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, thank you guys. That was, this was this was a lot of fun. Um, and enjoy the rest of your podcast. <laughs> thank you, sir. Cause yeah, now that Graham's leaving, we're gonna take a quick musical break. Hey, Graham, what kind of music yeah. do you like? You guys have oh. any any sort of music that you use in episodes? Oh, we frequently just use chip tunes. Just oh, okay. Well, hang on, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. I thought you were gonna ask him about the the native music of the Northlands. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't have music in Canada. <laughs> it's too cold yeah, to play any- anything. Yeah, do you have any music y'all like in Canada? No. <laughs> All of our popular music is terrible. I mean, no. you had a, a lot of more set back in the day, you know. That's true, but now everyone so like knows. I said, for, <laughs> now everyone knows. So like all anyone out. knows about uh, Canadian music is Nickelback or the Beebs. Oh. My heart will go on. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what we're gonna use. So tell you what, uh, in honor of the Chip Tunes. That was loud. Ow, I didn't think that would play. You guys couldn't hear it. It was in my headphones. Uh, we're going to use uh, an Anamanaguchi track. Nice. nice. How about... This is from their uh, his free album, which I downloaded immediately, because I could afford that. Uh, let's <laughs> You'll use... like this album. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> let's use Air Bass by Anamanaguchi, and we'll take a quick break and be back to dig through the Gate Crash spoiler. Thank you very much, Graham, for joining us. This was an entirely... Uh, what was I trying to say? This was entirely good. too much fun. The word is good. The word is good. This was good. Well, thanks so much for having me. I will uh, talk to you guys next time. All right. All right. And for the rest of you, we'll be right back. That guy. That was pretty good. He's a he's a big happy dude. I met him briefly at the Escapist Expo and first pitched the idea to him of coming on to the show. And 
He was like, sounds awesome, contact me. And the Escapist Expo was how long ago, Mike? Uh, about 100 years. Yeah, and that I started, I like poked at him just a couple, I think it was when Gatecrash came out. Because we were, I was going to have him on, but it was when we were going to talk about the pre-release, and that seemed like mm-hmm. a bad time. And yeah, I've been poking at him intermittently <laughs> since then. I miss Bud. I miss Bud. Bud was awesome. Bud even bought us dinner. How crazy is that? That was awesome. Bud shouldn't buy us dinner. It's too late now. It's, too, it's way too late. He's screwed. <laughs> Joke's on you. <laughs> anyway, so, I guess we should talk about Gatecrash. Yes, we should. So we've got, let's see, Boros Boros Orzov Simic here with us. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I do a second one, which I'm thinking of doing another one at uh, Randy's on Sunday if he's doing him. I'm thinking of it anyway. Is uh, I'll probably go Gruel, just because I really want to have all the damn uh, combat tricks in the world. Uh huh. <laughs> Even like I'm staying committed to my Boros choice, but Orzov was really tempting, and I know I'm just going to get flattened by someone's Simic deck in a matchup. Oh yeah. Even if they only got a decent pull. Like, I'm not going to win with Boros. I'm going to knock the hell out of somebody on, like, turn four. Yeah. And I'm going to be like, boom, and then I'll never win again the rest of the week. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay. So we've got the full spoiler now, as everyone probably knows. And I I have an erection. I'm not going to lie. This is really cool. This is a good set. Yeah. Let me ask you real quick. What is it that Jack doesn't like about this set? Everything. Actually, on the last episode of Monday Night Magic, he said it's not as bad as he originally thought. But I think he might just be saying that because I gave him such crap about it. People are entitled to their opinions. Not everybody has to love everything all the time. Hug fest. I was just curious. I've been listening to you guys for a while, and I was like, wow. And then you started the last episode, and you're like, Jack, how excited are you for this set? And he's like, super excited. So, okay. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on here, including lots of cycles, and there's lots of um, allusions and, and references to uh, gateless, which is just a fancy way of saying guildless, because we couldn't use that term again, because we used stuff like govern the guildless last time, so let's make it gateless, because gates, ooh. Yeah, what uh, is that about? I don't understand why it's gateless. I think it's just trying to work in the gate theme because uh, we haven't gotten it kind of hard enough yet. And because it's called Gate Crash, so why I the guess. hell not? Although, again, I really think they've already established the term guildless before. But, I mean, there, uh, it's in a card name. There's Govern the Guildless. Yeah. So, Mike, what do you think? I don't know. It might have to do with... Um, I get the feeling that there's also that for all of the guilds right now, since the dissolution of the guild pack, there's this really big recruitment push to try to build their strength back up again. I mean, even the Demir are actually out in the open admitting that they exist and trying to recruit people. Mm-hmm. That's which is nonsense. completely bizarre, yeah. Something that I find interesting is that, you know, we've seen a lot of the cards. We had probably seen through previews, I want to say over 100 cards before they released the full spoiler, and I kind of got, like, one hint or two of unrest, and then I'm going through the spoiler, and it's like, gateless, 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 attacking guilds. That theme only really came across to me 
in the commons and uncommons, which, you know, is one of the building blocks for sets because they know every player that buys anything is going to see these. But I think that theme of the guilds actually being under attack and the gateless slash guildless actually being a presence comes across much more now. So makes me think that I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm wondering if they're going to do away with the guilds. Um, although I really, from a, from a marketing standpoint, I really can't see them doing that because one of the biggest draws to coming back to Ravnik in the first place is the guilds. So if you take them away and you replace them with soulless Phyrexians, then what are we <laughs> going to have to come back to? I'm sorry. Even, but even if you do, do away with the guilds, it's going to be like, okay. Then we can do return to return to Ravnica 2 electric boogaloo. <laughs> It'll be the all green set. Hey, that would actually suck. So how do we want to start this? We want to cover cycles, we want to cover reprints or functional reprints first, because there's a lot of those, too. Or do we want to pull out cards that really, like, jump out at us? Uh, yeah, hell yeah. I was most curious. Now, I have not had time to go through this with a fine-tooth comb and dig out all of the cycles like I wanted to. But, like, I saw the denizens. Yeah, let's go. I wanted to go ahead and talk about the denizens. Okay, let's okay. talk about the denizens, then. Well, I mean, one for each color. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all monocolors. I, I didn't mean I had something prepared. I just meant I wanted us to talk about them. <laughs> there, so. e- each one, each one's a creature. Each one's a monocolored creature. And it does something when you get another creature of that color. The Court Street Denizen is a 2-2 two, two for 3. 2 and a white. It's a human soldier. It's common. I assume they're all common. Yeah. And uh, whenever another white creature enters the battlefield under your control, tap target creature and opponent controls. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, for a reusable effect, that's pretty good. What's the blue one do? The blue one, uh, he's a 2-3 for 3, and when you get another blue creature, you can mill someone for 2. That's pretty good, too. That is also pretty good. Even if you're... Oh, go ahead. Even if you're not doing anything, it's a 2-3... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just random, like, milieu, milieu, might matter in the end. Yeah. What were you going to say? Uh, I was going to read the black one. Okay, what's the black one? The black one is the Shadow Alley Denizen, a 1-1 one, one for 1 a vampire rogue. Whenever another black creature enters, enters the battlefield under your control, target creature gains Intimidate until end of turn. So that's pretty good. Mm. And it costs 1. It's a 1-drop. It's a yeah, it's, so it's, it's good. So is the red one. Boundary Street Denizen. I was just trying to scroll, scroll to it. <laughs> cost one, it's a 1-1 one, one Goblin Warrior. And whenever a red, another red creature enters the battlefield under your control, Foundry Street Denizen gets plus one, plus zero oh until end of turn. So it's got people breathing. <laughs> uh, I think that's another uh, term. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and oh. then uh, the Ivy Lang Denizen. Is uh, for three and a green. It's an elf warrior that's a two three. And when another green creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a one one counter on target creature. That is really good. Oh, that, that's, it, that is unbelievable. It's the most expensive one. Uh, for um, obvious reasons, though. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. On target creature. Yeah. Target creature. Isn't that and, the only one that has a permanent effect? All the rest of them are until end of turn, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the this blue cares. Oh yeah, the blue one. Okay, yeah, yeah. So many things care about this. I mean, 
evolved, duh, and then all of the counters, remove counters, bigger stuff. But then you also figure separate and apart from that, it's also making a creature permanently bigger. Or if you've got some weird reason where you want to kill an opponent's creature but it needs to be bigger or something like that, and those situations come up, then you can put it on their creature and be like, why are you doing that? Oh, um, and then green also tends to get a lot of dudes. Like you play this guy and then you play like, uh, what's the, uh, what's the one from the original Ravnica, uh, sow the seeds or whatever. And you get like three dudes right there. And Mike, uh, this, uh, the creature, uh, this is when another creature, uh, another green creature enters the battlefield. You can just put it on the new one, right? Cause it sees itself. Yeah. Like it's on the battlefield by that time. So it's a legal target, right? Yeah. Right. So. And you can, uh, if you, so if you're playing a big dude who's green, okay, let me back up. Say you've got an evolve guy on the field, right? Right. And you're gonna play a big dude who's going to trigger your evolve. Uh huh. And you've got the Ivy Lane Denizen out. Be sure that you stack the Ivy Lane Denizen first, and then put the, the, um, Wait, does that work? Hang on. Okay, you've got a 2-2 with Evolve. What right. are you trying to do you, here? You, you play a 3-3. Three, three. Um, you put the Ivy Lane Denizen on the stack first. Then you put the Evolve on the stack. The Evolve resolves. It's a 2-2. Two, two. It sees it's a 3-3. Three, three. It gets the plus one, plus one counter. And then you put that plus one, plus one counter wherever you want, including on the new th- the one that's now a 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, I'm trying to say if if so you've got... Chewy- Chewy, what are you trying to describe how not to screw up? How not to screw up if you put use this guy to put counter on something, it, then won't you then maybe you might make it too big to not get the evolve counter. Or does that Right. If you're targeting the evolved creature to right. put the plus and plus counter on it. Right. Depending Which, on when I, you have the abilities resolve. Okay, good. So I would I would yeah. So just be careful about that using this guy, since he's common. You don't want to <laughs> screw yourself out of a, a an extra plus one plus one counter. Uh, so, if that's it for the denizens, we've got another cycle of enchant lands, cause they had a cycle of those last time, and we've got another cycle of those again. And the white one is the debtor's pulpit for four, what? I said holy crap. Yeah, I was like, wow, this has to be really good, and I saw it was five, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's probably about right. It costs four and a white, enchant land, it's uncommon. Enchanted land has tap. Tap target creature. No additional sure. mana cost. Yeah, that's... Yeah. That's pretty... It's worth... Wow. It, it's worth every bit of that five. Oh, without a doubt. Wow. Yeah, that's going to be super annoying. Uh, what's the blue... Uh, is blue the way of the thief? No, blue is uh, Sky Games. Oh, that's right. What's that do, Dirt? What is it again? Sky Games. Sky Games. It's Quidditch! Oh my god, oh, it's it Quidditch! <laughs> Sky Games for one in the blue. Uh, it's a common aura, enchant land. It's, uh, it has tap. Target creature gains flying until end of turn. Activate this ability only anytime you would cast a sorcery. And like said, Dark said, it is a common, unlike the last one, which is an uncommon. I read this first, and I was like, why does it have that weird restriction about sorcery? That just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> and then I realized it just cost two to play. And I was like, oh, that's why. That's why. Yeah, this is for one purpose, for making your guy fly so he can fly over someone. It's not a combat trick. It's not a make a blocker. Yeah. 
The black one is a reprint, so that actually, you know, it's something else we were going to mention. So, it's Contaminated Ground. That, okay, I thought that sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally from Rise of the Eldrazi, if I remember correctly. Contaminated Ground costs black and one for a common aura. The Enchanted Land is a swamp, and whenever the Enchanted Land becomes tapped, its controller loses two life. Now, when an effect says a land becomes one of the basic land types, that means it gets that type, it loses all its other types, and it loses all of its other abilities. Right. Yeah, so that's, if, that's important. Yeah. It's not mana fixing, unless you just really need black mana. So if somebody plays the new stage, they can become a copy of something, uh, and you put a contaminated ground on it, it's just a swamp. You can yep. just tap it for black. It'll have the name of whatever... It, it keeps its name, but... Mm-hmm. It only has a swamp type, and it only has the tap for light ability of a swamp. Yeah. The red one is 10 Street Market, which also costs 5, and it's common. And it says Enchanted Land has tap, discard a card, colon, that's the cost, uh, to draw a card. And that's really good. Yeah. I was really happy to see this one, because not only is it a good card, period... But Ten Street Market is a is a location that has been referenced since the original Ravnica. This is not something they just kind of came up with. So it's kind of like, hey, continuity. How about that? <laughs> and then uh, the green one is the Verdant Haven, and apparently its playtest name was Farmers Market, which makes sense. <laughs> uh, and it costs a green and two, and it's a common aura. When it enters the battlefield, you gain two life. And then, whenever the Enchanted Land is tapped for mana, its controller adds one mana of any color to his or her mana pool. So it's a, for, for one more, it's a fertile ground uh, yeah. that gets you two life. I like this so much better than I like the green one in Return to Ravnica, where it was at the beginning of each other player's turn, untap this land. Yeah. Where you think for multiplayer, okay, that's pretty good, but it's just one land. You have to spend the card to make it work, so I was never very fond of that one. This one, I like. It's mana fixing and that random life gain, and yeah. I, I was always a big fan of uh, Fertile Ground. Mm-hmm. That's because Fertile Ground is really freaking good. Fertile Ground is very good. Yeah. So yeah. that's... The, yeah! Well, right above it, we had covered I think all the other primordials. The green one was not out yet. Oh, yeah, I don't think we did the red one either. I know we did the blue one and the black one and the white one. Yeah, those were the three. We had not done the red one or the green one. Correct. So, uh, Dark, why don't you tell us about this here green creature? Sylvian Primordial for five and two green. It's a rare avatar that's a six eight with reach. Whenever it enters the battlefield for each opponent, destroy target non-creature permanent. That player controls. For each permanent destroyed this way, search your library for a forest card and put that card onto the battlefield tapped. Then shuffle your library. That's cool. What the hell, dude? That's really cool. I was so sure that I was reading this wrong because I was like, uh, oh, look, for each thing you get to, like, uh, beast within it or something. And then I'm like, oh, but they get a forest. Oh, no. they don't. They don't. <laughs> I do. And then I was confused because I'm like, but it costs seven. Why do I need like 
three or four more forests when it costs seven. And then I was just like, whatever. <laughs> so you can cast something that costs ten, duh. I, 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 I went through, like, all the phases of grief with this card where I was, like, confused, and then I was sad, and then I was angry. Uh, but when it came down to it, I realized something very, very important. You hit your next land drop, you're casting Olamog. Like, yeah. Well, I didn't think about that. Okay, whatever. I realized that this may be one of the best targets for reanimation ever. Yes. Because you think about it, you know, again, yes, I know you can go from seven to eight or eight to from seven to nine or whatever, but how great is it to play the to get this on like turn four and all of a sudden I mean, even in a duel, you're like frenzied tilling, which by the way is in this set and is awesome. But you you literally blow up on their land, put yourself ahead, that's a difference of two. That's in war a duel <laughs> and then in multiplayer, you go from four to seven, and that that, my friends, is a huge difference. And you take care of some problematic permanence. Let's not forget that. So I like this a lot, and it's a six eight with reach, which means it can block an acroma. <laughs> so one quick question: Are yeah. planeswalkers considered creatures? No. Oh, this can destroy planeswalkers. Then. Oh yes. Yes. Hey, Gideon. With a passion. Bam! <laughs> now you are a tree. <laughs> On you're my, my tree. Not only yeah. <laughs> you're a tree, you're my you're, tree. You're a tree for me. But I'm bum. So. Okay. Yeah, that's. This is ridiculous. I hadn't read this one yet because I forgot we hadn't seen it, so I never actually stopped to read it. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, these are all really good, but that's ridiculous. Yeah, it might be my favorite of all of them. Like, the blue one gets uh, a sorcery a sorcery from someone's grave, from everyone else's graveyard. The white one uh, sorts the plowshare as a creature. The black one reanimates a creature. And the red one, ooh, let me read that. Uh, Molten Primordial, five red red. It's a 6-4 with haste. It's rare, it's an avatar, same as the others. When it enters the battlefield, for each opponent... Gain control of up to one target creature that player controls until end of turn. Untap those creatures, they gain haste until end of turn. So this is a threat. So sorts the plowshares. I don't even know what the blue one is. Give me that spell. Threat. It's an act, it's an act of treason. Zombify. I'm sorry. Act of treason. Whatever. Which is in the set. And then whatever Sylvan Primordial does, which isn't even fair. Th- these are all really good. And it has haste, so not only are you swinging with all the stuff you stole, it can swing too! Oh, my God! <laughs> yeah, I like that one a whole lot. Like, just give me an extra, like, 15 power on my side of the board. It's fine. You don't mind, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you mad, though? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, these are all stupid. And it's like if you took the, the Titans, made them not horribly unfair, and then bumped, kicked them in the ass for multiplayer. And that's what they are. Somebody in our forums, I'm not calling anybody out, but I think a while ago was saying, wow, these are like the Titans only, or they're like Titans 2.0, and there was some discussion about that, and somebody else said, well, no, because these don't trigger upon attacking, and I think the first person responded, well, in a world of, um, what's the... Restoration Angel and Cloud Shift. Restoration Cloud Shift, and who's the blue guy? The uh, Dead Eye Navigator. Dead Eye Navigator. Oh, does my really, God! Does it really matter? And I would make the argument um, that it does matter because I think one of the big differences between these and the Titans is not just the one mana less, not just the fact that 
you know, the, they have the additional trigger, but it's the fact that the Titans, all of these are really good, but the Titans are insane, and the Titans don't need anything else to be insane. And these can be ridiculous. Uh, they're very good on their own, but they to be ridiculous, they need some of that other stuff that we've just mentioned, and the Titans don't even need that. So what you're so, saying is these can be broken by building the deck properly. Titans yes. are just broken naturally. The, Titans are just broken naturally, yeah. just, and they're mythic, so we'll... Yeah. And that seems fair. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> so, okay, what do we have any more? Uh, cycles. There's cycles all over the place. I mean, I'm sure there are. I just, I don't know any of them. So while we're looking at that, is is Assault Griffin a reprint? It looks like it should be. Assault Griffin, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to put that in. But assault, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a reprint. Twelve and eleven, yeah, yeah, and yeah. So that's a reprint. Uh, the one above it is a reprint, although it's a uh, it's not it's Una's judgment, not Una. Una, <laughs> Iona, Iona's judgment. Yeah. Oh, okay. How about that? That's angelic edict. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the aerial maneuver that that's one of those just kind of generic names. That's that's a new card. Yeah, I don't remember flying in first strike and plus one plus one for two mana at instant speed at common. Boom! Told you what the card did. Okay. <laughs> uh. Hmm. Well, we'll we'll find more of those. We're poking around. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure we will. Um, holy mantle is a really serious. I was card. just about to say, did they really print this? Mm-hmm. This is sick. What's it do, yeah. Mike? Two white and two. It's an uncommon aura. Enchant creature. And the enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from creatures. Yeah. What What is the enchantment for one and a white enchant creature gets protection from creatures? It's like, respect my authority. No, is it? No. <laughs> No, maybe uh, cause un- un- unquestioned authority, and that actually costs two and a white. Costs two and a white, and I think you also draw a card when that. Yeah, you draw a card for it. So, so for one more white, you drop the cantrip, but you get plus two, plus two, when in protection from creatures really means yes. In a pinch, it means it can block forever, but it really means is unblockable. Yeah. So in white, this is. Target creature is unblockable and gets plus two, plus two. Because that's fair, you know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, of course, it ends up right next to Knight of Obligation in the card image gallery, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which There's a two-card combo. Which one's he? Knight of Obligation is a is a 2-4 uncommon human knight. He costs uh, three and a white, and he has Vigilance and Extort. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's the not Mouth of Sauron art. Okay. Yeah. It's like Mouth of Sauron depicted as a good guy. <laughs> I really like the flavor text on him. He can calculate interest to six decimal places, even in the midst of a deadly duel. He's a nerd knight. <laughs> <laughs> I find um, Guild Sworn Ward to be kind of interesting. It's about the Holy Mantle. It's another aura enchant creature for one white. Enchanted creature has protection from multicolored. The main reason that I find this interesting is because it's kind of, um, you know, it's promoting the image just from a flavor perspective of here's this kind of guy on the outside who's protecting almost from the tyranny of the guild. Well, if you go back to the original Ravnica and you go to Dissension, 
there were two creatures, the Guardians, uh, well, um, the Guardian of the Guild Pact, and uh, he's a white creature, and for four, he's a 2-3 with protection for monocolored, and he's like, it's the white creature, and he's protecting the guilds and the, the Guild Pact from those reckless people that would see it broken, all that sort of stuff. So the white has kind of shifted now in this new set. And the black card in Dissension was a creature with pretty much the same stats that had protection from multicolored. So now, I forget what the name of it is. I think Enemy Enemy of the Guild Pact. Enemy of the Guild Pact. So, So now, and we don't even see anything like that in black, either protection from multicolored or protection from... Um, from monocolored, but so I just find it interesting that black, that white kind of switched sides on this one a little bit. So just a little something. Now what did what did you say, Mike? Because I don't think it came through. Uh, Enemy of the Guild Pact is a four two for five. Yeah. Okay. With protection for multicolored. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got Guild Sworn Ward on it. Woohoo! Yep. I love, I love the flavor text on Night Watch. First of all, Night Watch sounds like it should be N I G H T, and it's Night Watch with a K, and then it's the picture is these knights just brawling with these citizens, and the flavor text is we lost respect after the battle of Baru Rooftop. Send the troops to mingle respectfully with the citizens. <laughs> these are the bad cops. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah, mingle. The, the they're Brian mingling all right. <laughs> what? I said that Brian could never be. Yeah. yeah Nightwatch uh, for four and a white is a common sorcery that gives you two 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 white knights with vigilance. So that's really there's, good. There's a lot of like kind of expensive stuff in this set. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, another uh, reprint uh, with what's got to be my favorite comedic art ever is Smite. <laughs> for a single white, destroy target black cre- uh, blocked creature. And it's just yeah. a pair of smoking boots. And two guys turn to look at it like, what? Like, somebody just blew up. It says, sure, today of old days, he asked to borrow my boots. I love <laughs> it. It's so great. Righteous Charge is also... No, it's not a reprint. No, I'm sorry. Not. It's throwing me off because it's in... No, it is a reprint. Oh, it is? Yeah, isn't that a reprint of something in a portal set or something? Uh, Starter was the first time it showed up. Um, really? And then Portal Second Age. It's throwing me off that the Gate Crash stuff is in Gather now. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that's a reprint. It's one white, white, sorcery. Oh, I didn't cre- notice that. It wasn't there yesterday. Creatures you control get plus, plus two until in a turn. It so. was supposed to be there yesterday because in the, the post that, or the whatever it was that announced this, they were like, if you want to see something specific, go to Gatherer. If you just want to see the whole set, go here. But it was supposed to be up, but apparently they screwed something up. And I went together, and it wasn't there. I'm like, well, thanks, stupid. Yeah, jackasses. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Dude, dude, I'm looking for more reprints just while I scroll. Urbis Protector, as I guess, is is basically the backwards version of um, uh, Voice of the Provinces. Voice of the Provinces. Yeah, remember Voice of the Provinces? You got a 4-4 angel who got a 1-1 oh. human token. And Urbis Protector is a 1-1 human cleric who gives you a 4-4 angel token. For the same cost, four and two white. That? Huh. I didn't even notice that. Hmm. I'm sorry, Voice of the Provinces was a 3-3. Oh, it's even better then. Ah, I guess that's why it's uncommon. 
or something. <laughs> Shut up, Mike. <laughs> uh, was Corpse Blockade printed before? No. Okay. It just sounds familiar. Corpse Blockade is a funny wall. For two and a black, it's a zombie with Defender. It's common. It's a 1-4, and you can sacrifice another creature to give it Death Touch until the end of the turn. So I guess, you know, fresh death makes you die or something. Something like that. Something, something, something. Speaking of reprints that aren't reprints, what's up with Devour Flesh? That sounds familiar. Like what it does. Um, no. I think it sounds familiar because it sounds like it, because it's like a Black Swords variant, basically. It's just like a combination of swords and, um, Diabolic Edict. Maybe I'm thinking of Tribute to Hunger. Yes. Maybe. Well, what's it do? Somebody already walked away. Uh, Devour Flesh for a black and one. It's an, it's a common instant. Target player sacrifices a creature, then gains life equal to that creature's toughness. That's pretty good. Yeah, tribute to Hunger, like, choose the target. Uh, the flavor text is kind of creepy. His m- twisted mind concluded that if he was what he ate and he wanted to stay human, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And actually, no, my tribute to hunger, target opponent yeah, sacrifices it's... a creature and you gain the life. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm reading it now. It's totally different. Hmm. But this is a mana cheaper, so you give him a little bit of life. Now, here's one. Killing Glare. Is that a... That's... That's not something that's been done before either. X and a black, uncommon instant, destroy target creature with power X or less. Yeah, it, it made me think of um, Disembowel, which I used to play with uh, quite a bit when yeah. the original Ravnica was around. But no, that was, uh, Disembowel was based on casting, mana cost. That's what I thought. There's so many spells that I swear they, there's been a, a card already. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I was still up at the white and... Shielded Passage, isn't that a reprint? Yeah, maybe. Shielded, Shielded Passage. passage. Uh, I, th- I think it is, maybe. Possibly. I'm checking. The ability's been done before. Some I mean, target it's, creature it's gets so... No, it's a, it's a new card, but um, it's pretty much a riff on things that have been done before. There have is, been one white sorceries that do this. Well, what does it do? Because I don't know. For one target creature, can, doesn't uh, prevent all combat damage to be dealt to a target creature. Prevent all damage. For all damage, sorry. Oh, okay, that's cool. But it's to target creature, so it's not like it's not like a holy day or anything like that. For one, it's just to a target creature. Right. But I but I swear I've seen that ability before. Yeah. Um, it only costs one. There have been several, but apparently not quite like that. There are, t- I, I know, um, Indestructible Aura back from Legends, and that was a sorcery. And there was also something else, like in, uh, Plane like, Shift or something, oh, that I was also was, a sorcery. I thought there was something in Scars Block or something just relatively recently that did this. I don't know. I can't think of something like that. Yeah, I can't either. Let's see. Active Treason, of course, uh, Brian said already. Cinder Elemental is an old school one from, uh, Katie masks. masks, yeah, for three yeah. and a red, it's a 2-2 two, two elemental, it's uncommon, and you can pay X a red and tap and sacrifice it to blaze target creature player, you deal X damage, target creature player, so that's cool. Yeah. I've always liked that guy. Ember Beast is reprint, he's cool. I think. Really? Oh, that, wait, I almost thought you said Cinder Elemental, I'm like, Chewie already said that. Huh. He is? Yeah, Ember Beast is from Odyssey, isn't he? Holy crap, it is. 
Oh, yeah. now I recognize it. Okay, if you look and at the, the art, whole, you'll be like that guy. Uh, he just fits so well into the battalion theme that <laughs> yeah. it's just crazy. Well, for two and a for two and a red to red beast, it's common. It can't attack or block alone, and it's a three four. Uh, so it's like, hey guys, you know, help a brother out. Huh. Let's all go together. Okay, I, I'm looking at Red, and Red has some of my favorite spells ever all of a sudden. Furious Resistance. For a single Red instant, target blocking creature gets plus 3, plus 0, oh, and first strike until end of turn. That feels kind of almost white. Yeah, I think there have been white cards that do this. But well, the white, card, the white equivalent card would give the creature plus 7, plus 7, so... <laughs> so it didn't need first strike, yeah. Yeah. But there's... Uh, Gosh, I love the art for Furious Resistance with that Boros soldier just like laying into whoever that is with a like a Uzi full of magical swords. It looks like some Rakdos dudes coming to get him or something. Uh huh. And he's just like. I say not anymore. I got a gat, mother. Oh wait. Ral Zarek is teaching us about forced perspective on homing lightning, which is really cool for two red red instant uncommon. It deals four damage to target creature. And each other creature with the same name. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's like a echoing spell. Mm. Echoing Zepio dumbass. I like uh, Mark for Death for three and red. It's a sorcery. It's uncommon. Target creature an opponent controls blocks this turn of able. Untap, untap that creature. Other creatures that player controls can't block this turn. And it's got so many uses where you can just target uh one of their guys and send the guy that you know will kill it um and it's gonna die to it so you can use it almost as selective um removal or you can use it as a way to say hey that guy can block the rest of yours can't swing with everybody for the win you know so it's got a lot of practical uses it's not a new it is not a reprint yeah and it's really good I also really, really, really like mugging. I knew you were going to say that. That is, And the art is a minotaur with a dude in a headlock, and it makes me so happy. But it's, for single red, it's a sorcery. It's a common. It, de- it deals two damage to target creature, and that creature can't block this turn. <laughs> Scream, muffled. Pockets, emptied. Neck function, never the same again. Between mugging, mark for death, uh, Alarius, uh, uh, Alari, whatever, Fury. Steve's Fury. <laughs> yes. There, there's, there's kind of a couple, uh, I mean, Firefist Striker, who's the battalion when it attacks with two others, something can't block. There's a lot of, like, hey, you, no blocking going on here. And we, uh, we absolutely cannot make it through uh, an episode without bringing up uh, something Brand? that uh, Rizzle Brand, something that uh, Professor J brought up in the forums. I like the way we call him by one nickname, and that's not the one he has on the forums. <laughs> but uh, he brought up in the forums, which everyone should go join, uh, Madcap Skills. For one and a red, it's an enchant creature. It's common. Enchanted creature gets plus three, plus O, oh, and can't be blocked except by two or more creatures. One, this is going to mess somebody's day up at the pre-release. You're going to be like, I got this game, and then they're going to drop it on, drop something on this 
drop this on somebody, and then they're just going to kill you. And you're going to go, what just happened? But Professor J pointed out that he's afraid that they really just wanted to put mad skills in the, the name of a card. <laughs> well, I also want you to skip down a little bit, go to green, um, and uh, there's an enchant- uh, alpha authority for one and a green enchantment aura uncommon enchant creature enchanted creature has hex proof and can't be blocked by more than one creature so they've done the whole stalking tiger goblin war drums combo thing in the same set in the set with us hey yeah I thought that was pretty neat combo breaker well if you want a, a fun one that's simic related crowning Saratok. It's the, the beast that, for, it's a three, uh, for three and a green, it's an uncommon, uh, rhino. That's four, that's a four three with trample. Each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has trample. Well, there is, let me find it. There's a blue flying creature, the, uh, Sapphire, the Sapphire Drake. Yeah. That gives Sapphire yeah. Drake. For, that's, it's for five and a, a blue. It's a 4-4 flying drake that's uncommon, and each creature that you control with plus one plus one counter on has flying. So if you have one of each of these out, then all of your Simic guys with, you know, counters on them suddenly have trample and flying. Well, and I just like the fact that, I mean, even separately, you've got these guys that are making use of the mechanic in, in kind of different and interesting ways. Um, if we're jumping around a bit, which I'm going to do, uh, yeah. uh, the first thing I'm going to say, just really quick, is my eye Drake, which is in blue, really makes me miss Bell Tower Sphinx, because uh, Bell Tower Sphinx is just... Unless, unless we're talking about a situation where the creature is being doom-bladed, Bell Tower Sphinx is just better. Because it's got the same stats, it costs the same, um, both have flying, and then they have the milling sub-theme, but Bell Tower Sphinx is whenever it's dealt damage, you mill that many cards um, off of somebody's library. Mind Eye Drake just says, when Mind Eye Drake dies, target player puts the top five cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. That, to me, I'm like, you know, yes, I realize that's a hit, that's five cards, but I don't have to, one of the, I don't have to worry about attacking into it as long as I can survive, like attack my three threes. Bell Tower Sphinx was so frustrating because all of a sudden you knew unless you could kill it, you weren't going to attack into it because that was just an easier way to die. So, uh, so that just made me miss that. But one of the best uh, instance in the set had not been spoiled the last time we recorded an episode mm-hmm. and it's Eighth Rise... And it's blue and it's uncommon and it's gonna win people some games for serious now. Um, because somebody's gonna be swinging for the win and all of a sudden all their stuff is gone. Mm-hmm. That's really strong for, for four mana, you know, that instant uncommon return all attacking creatures to their owner's hand. It's like an evacuation, but a very one-sided evacuation. Extremely one-sided. The fact that you're doing it in combat, you can't even do it in combat, actually ensures you can't even do it wrong. You're actually getting the maximum value for this. 
the the only time it's not going to be that great is when you're being attacked by one giant creature, and then you're still bouncing a giant creature. So, yeah, I think that I think this that that to me, I saw that card and warning bells started screaming in my head. I'm like, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. Yeah, that and and several other blue and green cards is why I'm pretty it's, certain I'm going to be flattened by a cynic player at some it, point. It's going to feel so bad to get hit by an Aetherize. It's just, you're just going to, like, go, what, what, uh, uh, ugh. And here I got, thought you guys were talking about Naturalize. No, that's okay. <laughs> Which is a reprint, by the way. Which is a reprint, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, same thing. Uh, Frilled Oculus is kind of like a root walla that's blue. But I kind of like its base stats for one and a blue. It's a 1-3 homunculus, which already is not terrible for a defensive creature. And then for one and a green, Frilled Oculus gets plus two, plus two until the turn. Activate this ability only once each turn. That makes it a 3-5? Yeah. I I mean, that 1-3 is going to stand in the way of a lot of the really cheap Boros. 1-1s and 2-1s and 1-2s. And then the ability to just, yeah, I mean, hmm. I have to say, they've gotten a lot of mileage out of the, um, the root wall ability over the years. I, th- I, I think, know, it, right? I think it works well. Yeah. And it's always a creature that for the first however many turns it's on the board, you're terrified of it. Mm. Until you got something better and then it's done its purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Prophetic, uh, prophetic prism is back. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is a two-cost common artifact. Uh, you draw a card when it hits play, and you can pay one and tap it to get one mana of any color. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. Yeah. Oh, yeah, especially that card draw is is amazing. You'd think it would just be, oh, well, whatever. No, it's amazing. That's what he said. <laughs> what is up with Razor Tip Whip? This is terrible. It's... Well, no, yes. it was, what was terrible was that scepter that AJ always hated. Rod of Ruin. Rod of Ruin. That was terrible. This is actually... Rod of Ruin could at least hit creatures. Oh, it could? Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is terrible. <laughs> so for two, I guess it's not terrible because it's common, which is going to piss people off, but if you get like three of these, pshh. <laughs> but Razor Tip Whip for two mana is a common artifact, and you pay one and tap it to deal one damage to target opponent. Yeah... I mean that's uh, it's it it's it's not awful, but don't play too many of these when you could be playing other cards that do things. Yeah, the fact that it can't do anything about creatures is just. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's it's a nice grindy way to keep pecking at your opponent, but if you could play like a creature that does something, do that instead. Yeah, pretty much what Mike said. Yeah, but I mean you could. It is possible or feasible in a draft. To, like, get the Razor Tip Whip deck <laughs> and, like, <laughs> stall the board and ping your opponent to death. And someone's going to do it, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's uh, Gra- uh, Graham and his crew. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of cards I don't like, or we don't like, um, I think probably Structural Collapse is one of those cards where somebody's going to say, that's not that bad, and... I think it's actually pretty bad. What is that? Where where Stru- is that? What, Structural what collapse. Is that in? It's in red. It's mono red. Uh, it's in the S's because it's structural. 
about that part. <laughs> it costs five and a red. It's a sorcery. It's common, so you're going to end up with a million of these. Target player sacrifices an artifact in a land. Structural collapse deals two damage to that player for six mana. Yeah. The um, yeah. I mean, that's so. Why don't you? What's going on? Why don't you like it? I missed something. Uh, what part do you like? Well, I mean, it's really good. Is it not good? No. Oh. Well, the the lands part doesn't do anything. Well, it doesn't do very much when you're when you're okay. I mean, it does three different things. And when you add them all up, those three different things should cost, you know, around six mana at common. But I, I, the, those three things at the point where you're paying six mana for it, even together, they probably aren't going to be enough to actually if, have an effect on the game. If time. it was destroy an artifact and a land, uh, and, and or land, Owned by the same player or person, whatever. So you're still only dealing two damage, whatever. I might be better with that, but and I'm not saying this should cost less because you really have to be careful with land destruction. But I think the fact that the player gets to sacrifice whatever land they want is huge because you're not going to lock them out of anything. You're just gonna okay. Well, here's a forest. Goodbye. They're never going to, unless they are mana screwed, Then, in which case this is a win more card, you're never going to lock them out of a color unless it's that golden scenario where their only source of a color is maybe a key rune, so they have to sack their key rune and a land, and then they're down two land. And I re- that's going to happen for somebody. But for six mana to knock off... A land, which they're gonna have, maybe get an artifact if they have more than one, then their least favorite one, and then deal them two damage for six. I just don't like it. I feel like it's a trap, and it's not even a good trap. But why do you like it? Tell me why you like it. Oh, I like it because it does three things at once. <laughs> uh, that's a good reason. I mean, it's essentially like what I was thinking was that the the worst this would do would be to knock out two of your opponent's mana. And that's pretty good for six mana. That it gets a lot worse than that. Like wor- worse for them or worse for you? No, worse, worse for you. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna kill if you kill a creature, an artifact creature. Well, then okay, it's an artifact creature. But if you if you hit it and like, what's the least offensive thing they could have? Like a mana rock and a land. So you hit the I mana rock and their land, and now they're out two mana. Uh, <laughs> See, we're we're seeing this a little differently. I think that's actually pretty bad for them. That that's actually one of the better ones. I would be more afraid of they're going to go, okay, well, I sack my uh, prophetic prism or or my razor tip whip or my riot gear or any of these things that don't make a mana. That are uh, Arguably, key runes and that sort of stuff are some of the better artifacts you could hit. So I was thinking, yeah, hit one of those if you're lucky and set them back two mana. So I'd say worst case scenario, if you're actually saying worst case, is... Okay, sack of land, sack an armored transport. Hey. Woo. I really like armored transport, by the way. Which one is that? I don't know. Armored transport is the artifact creature. For three, it's a two-one construct, and it's common. Prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to armored transport by creatures blocking it. Huh. 
So this is your, uh, so this is one of your battalion buddies. I was gonna say, wait a minute, so he just keeps punching people. Yeah, he's just right. swinging, and it's like, oh, I guess I'll swing. And it's creatures blocking it, not creatures it blocks. So, yeah. it wants to be on the offense. And it's kind of funny, because it looks, from the art, it looks like it's meant to haul around Orzhov people. When you look at the shield on the, on the legs, mm-hmm. it looks like that's the symbol in the middle there. It's kind of got that goldish tint that they like to throw around, so. Yeah, I think that is an Orzhov design, I think you're right. But hey, yeah, you play it and then you attack with it. That's pretty much what you do. So. Seems good. Seems good. I like it. He's a battalion buddy. That should be like, uh, I don't know, that should be like uh, an ability word. Battalion buddy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> uh, so, Dirk. You're yep. muted. Oh, there he is. <laughs> you, you like uh, putting enchantments on creatures, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think of Gift of Orshava? Or so what? What color is that? It's white-black hybrid. hybrid. It's a hybrid, okay. White-black hybrid. White-black hybrid. <laughs> yeah, I haven't <laughs> found it yet either. For for one and two white-black hybrid symbols, so one white-black, white-black, it's an aura enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and has flying and lifelink. Holy crap, really? Yeah. Yeah, really. That's pretty good. <laughs> I like that. So this, my one of the hybrid, this is one of the hybrid cards that I saw. That I was like, wow, I'm glad I'm playing a guild that can cast this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, me too. Yay. <laughs> well, then do you like that you might be able to cast the card next to it as well? Well, that one's a little more complicated. <laughs> but that'd be pretty cool. Immortal Servitude is X and three black hybrids. It's a rare sorcery. Return each creature card with converted mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Patriarch's Bidding and that sort of thing, where it rewards you for building your deck a particular way, mm-hmm. where if you do it right, then you're probably going to be able to get the most benefit out of this, but if you if it just can't work out where you can't, then... You're like, okay, I'll name Goblin, and I'll get back to guys, I guess. Um, and so here you might go, all right, well, I've got one thing at two, two things at three. You know, it may just be a numbers game, or is it I get my best creature back? So, um, And it's, it's so sick. Sorry. I just realized that I hadn't said anything about Immortal Servitude. I'm sitting here thinking it real, real hard while you were talking. <laughs> it's... uh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Chewie, how do you feel about the Boros Reckoner? Oh, what color is that? Oh, this guy. I don't know. Let me read him. So he costs three Boros hybrids. So three red-white hybrids. He's a 3-3 Minotaur wizard. Okay. Oh, this guy! Yeah, this guy's great. Uh, he's rare. Uh, he has red-white hybrid mana activated first strike. So you can pay a red white, a red or a white, and give him first strike until end of turn. And, <clears throat> when Boros Reckoner is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target creature or player. I like how you kind of, you, you kind of choose. Like, do I want him to take damage? Okay. Or do I don't I want him to just kill a creature. Yeah. That yeah. works too. Yeah, he's, he's really cool. I love I like that. Him. Imagine a thunderstorm that's also a tactical genius. That's him. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, that's the flavor text. I was like, that's yeah. really good, Mike. Oh, never mind. Uh, while we're down in the um, hybrids, uh, Beckon Apparition is a reprint from I thought Shad. So. Shad Adam Moore? Or is it Even Time? Even time. It was Even, even Time. Even time yeah. Because those were the enemy colors. Yeah. I was wondering, since they previewed that white black spear token, I was like, I thought something already made those. So. <laughs> You're right. And hey, it's, this is card that nice, it's a nice little bit of taking care of something in the graveyard. Oh, man. Look. Uh, Excuse me. Looking just at art, Death Cult Rogue is really cool. I feel like I've seen that art before, though. Like, is this a reprint? No, but they've they've used this art in other stuff that they've shown as like a teaser for. Ooh, look at this. Uh, okay. Yeah, they they've supplied oh, us with some of the unblockable guys to try and help Demir out with some of the cipher stuff that's got going on. There's him. There's the blue guy that. This unblockable. It's a three-two for three, and when there's the battlefield, you have to return a creature to its own hand. You want to your creatures, so they, they've got they've got the keys there. Yeah, but I mean, I, th- I think I know what Dirk was actually asking about. Who was that guy with activated flying in original Ravnica block? That Demir guy who had blue activated flying. Oh, yeah. Tree. Uh, no, not tree. Yeah. Rooftop. Roof. Top. Roof top. No, roof. Um, roof stalker white. What does that look yeah, like? Yeah, roof. Is that him? No, that he doesn't look like him that much. That's kind of like him, sort of. Yeah, never mind. This guy looks kind of like. I don't know. He's got a skull. I like Bioshift. I'm just changing the subject. I like Bioshift. Because oh, you can. Bill is going to love this card. I was just about to say, you and Bill. <laughs> not, not only can you do crazy stuff with your creatures, but you can mess with the opponents as well. <coughs> For one green-blue hybrid, it's an instant. It's common. Move any number of plus one, plus one counters from target creature onto another target creature with the same controller. So you can't just go, hey, Dirk, thanks for spending all that time building up your evolved creature. I'll take the counters now. What you can say is, Dirk's got this uh one one that's got six plus one, plus one counters on it, and I'll attack. And I'm like, move them all to your wall. Mm-hmm. Kill your guy. Or I attack with my guys, kind of see where blocking is happening, and then boom. This is a combat trick, ladies and gentlemen. And also resets your evolve, guys. Uh, yeah. I like it. I do as well. There's another combat trick in mono green. Well, other than all of the Blood Rush guys, there's an actual instant that does <laughs> something. Talking about power defense or something else? Burst of strength. Oh, yeah, yeah. For one green, I can't seem to keep my mouse on it. Uh, it's an instant. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature and untap it. So you get all that other cares about plus one, plus one stuff. Counters. Yay. So did you guys there doing Boros, did you guys see the Spark Trooper? Oh, no! Oh, oh my uh, God! Uh, I got to put, like, eight of those in a deck and get disqualified Great. <laughs> it's like a it's a lightning bolt. Uh, no, not lightning bolt. It's a ball what light, is ball it? Light. Ball a lightning. ball lightning. Except it's way better. <laughs> oh. So man. for one, two red and, and a, a white, it's a 
uh, rare six ones element soldier with trample, lifelink, and haste. But at the beginning of your instep, you have to sacrifice it, which is what Ball Lightning did too. Except that Ball Lightning did not have lifelink. <laughs> yeah, twelve point swing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. pretty, it's, it, man, when I saw it, I was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm going for a Because if I get one of these, I'm going to be like, bam, I'm going to punch someone in the face, and then I'm going to smile. <laughs> and they could be like, kill it, and I'll be like, I don't care, use your burn spell, or your removal spell. <laughs> Dude, there's a, there's a Boros Pump Knight, isn't that awesome? Ah, uh, no, what's he called? I forgot. True Fire Paladin. Yeah. Costs red and white for a 2-2 human knight with vigilance, and he's uncommon. And for a red and white, you can give him plus 2, plus 0 until end of turn. And also for red and white, you can give him first strike until end of turn. You know what I just realized is we uh talking about cycles earlier, and then we got away from it. We have not finished covering all of the guild mages because they weren't all released last week, and we haven't oh. finished covering all of the mythics. That's correct. We have not covered, for example... The Viscopa Guild Mage. Your mom. For a white and a black Orzhov. My, my guys, uh, it's a 2-2 human wizard because it's a guild mage. It's uncommon. For one, a white and a black target creature against lifelink until end of turn. It's already pretty good. For one, a white and a black. Whenever you gain life this turn, each opponent loses that much life. And it kind of reminds me of the Demir Guild Mage from this set, where it's kind of got that, how do I break this sort of thing? And of course, if you've got any sort of lifelink already, then you don't even need that first ability as much. But let's also not forget about Extort. Yeah. One of us, I can't even remember who it was anymore, but one of us called something like this on an earlier episode, looking for something that triggers off of life gain for the Orzhov to mess with. Yeah, and this thing you can activate multiple times. Like, mm-hmm. don't forget that. Yeah. I'm trying to see where the other... Have we covered all the other guild mages? Pretty sure we have. Hey, yeah. while you look for that, Denrova Horror... That's really good. For a blue and a black, it's a 4-4 uncommon horror. And when it enters the battlefield, you bounce a permanent, and then that player discards a card. Yeah, it's a... Uh, what is that the, spell? For one uh, blue and a black. Re- recoil. recoil. Recoil, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, when I saw when I saw the, the text of the ability said recoil, I was like, yep, I'm sold on this card. Yeah, and it's a 4-4 with a recoil stuck onto it. You know, here, by the way. You'll like this recoil. It comes with a guy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think we've done all the guild mages. Have we done all of the charms? Have we done the Orzhov charm? We have not. Yeah, we've done all the charms. That hadn't appeared yet. i got to find the Orzhov charm. Scroll, scroll, scroll. (laughs) It starts with a Q, right? Here we go. (laughs) Orzhov charm. Yeah, I don't think we did this yet. For a white and a black. Instant. Uncommon, of course. Choose one. Return target creature you control and all auras you control attached to it to your hand or to their owner's hands. So that's a little weird. Or destroy target creature and you lose life equal to its toughness. What's that? Uh, Vendetta? No. That's um, Shadow something. It was first in... It was in Darksteel. No, that's... Uh, that. Oh, Devouring Shadow? Devouring Shadow. Yeah. So what's isn't Vendetta? Because, Vendetta because isn't Vendetta non-black? 
Oh, oh yeah, Vendetta does say not black. You're right. Sorry. Anyways, okay. what's the last one? Uh, the last one is return target creature card with converted mana cost one or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. I don't know how to feel about this one. It's not as obviously good as, like, the Boros one or the Stomach one. And it's not as obviously kind of weird as the Demir one. Like, I don't know if I'll ever use any of those abilities sort of weird. But I, I guess it's one of those, you know, all good and crazy situations sort of charms. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about this on Monday Night Magic, and they're like, there's one ability that's really good, uh, there's one ability that's pretty good, and then there's another ability that's like, buh? And in this case, it's kill a creature's really good. The, the recursion, that's gotta, it's gonna be good. It's gotta do something. Yeah, yeah. and then the, the bounce thing and all the R's, you're like, buh? Okay. Okay, safe, safe, uh, <laughs> turn or whatever. Uh, so. Maybe, maybe it's the, the, the first ability is the reason why there's only a what looks like a thumb or a finger in the art. Well, he's holding <laughs> he's holding up a something or other. <laughs> I um I th- I think probably the way to think about it is think of it as a kill spell that can turn into those other two things if the situation is just right and that's what you need. Yeah. Um, there's some mythics here, including the Simic Mythic Master Biomancer, and uh, Dark. You've got to you got to love this. It's it's in blue and green. I'm actually. Oh yeah, the master biomancer. Yeah, uh, for two uh, green and a blue, an elf wizard that's mythic. It's a two four. Each other creature you control enters the battlefield with a number of additional plus one plus one counters on it equal to the master biomancer's power, and as a mutant in addition to its other type. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So if you so again what Chewy was talking about before about the stacking stuff, so again if you've got a, a, a I don't I don't think that works. Well it's, it's, so you can stack it so that if it has evolved it comes in with the plus one plus one counter and enters the battlefield with a number of additional plus one plus one counters on it equal to its power. To this the biomaster's power. So assuming it's just a two it's a two four, then Hypothetically, an evolved creature could show up with plus three plus with three plus one plus one counters. Um, well, the, 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 backwards. Yeah. yeah, evolve doesn't count. Doesn't say, hey, there's something bigger when I'm coming into play. Evolve says, hey, I'm already in play. Oh yeah, there's gotcha. a bigger guy coming in. So don't think of this as the same as evolve. Think of this kind of divorce this from evolve entirely and just say, hey, all my guys are stupid big. It makes yeah. it much easier to evolve since your new creatures will be bigger. It's true. Mm-hmm. Like, say you got a one-one on the field, you play this guy, you can play another copy of that same one-one. Well, it will come in as a three-three and trigger the one-ones, the original one-ones evolve. Right, Mike? Right. Okay. So if you have two uh, master biomancers, though. Oh God. Yep. God. If you have two, I mean, presumably the second one would have come in as a four-six. So the next Llanowar Elf you play is going to be a 7-7. Seven, seven. You're going to be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you look at your uh-huh. opponent and you go, you're going to get raped. Because <laughs> there's, there's no other verb to go there. I'm sorry if that offends you. Well, right. that's up until the uh, bio shift comes in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th- I think there's only one more mythic that we haven't covered. And the, Oh, the seer? 
Who loves a who loves a dark confidant? Apparently, everybody. You've got a dark confidant. You've got a dark. Well, not quite because I also got a four four. A uh, dusk mantle seer is for two and a blue and a black. It's a four four with flying, which is just strange because usually blue black does not get power toughness equal to convert mana cost, especially over two. I'd say. Um... I mean, even if you remember when they printed the original Demir Guild Mage, they said it felt really weird because Mono Blue could have a 2-2 for 2. So, that's a little weird. Now we've got a 4-4 with flying, and it's a vampire wizard, it's a mythic, and it doesn't even hurt your life, like, all the time, like, Morori or whatever it was? Morai? Morai. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, at the beginning of your upkeep... Everybody gets a Dark Confidant trigger. <laughs> Each player reveals the top card of his or her library, loses life equal to that card's converted mana cost, then puts it into his or her hand. I, um... Yeah. I mean, yes, your opponent is getting a card, but your opponent didn't build his deck to be to be ready for this. So and your opponent is getting a card, but your opponent also just got Lava Axed. And, uh... And you still got a four four with flying. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the best howling mine ever. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Yeah. Like if he didn't have blue in his cost, he would go straight into uh Kerbeck. Like without even blinking. I'd be like, that's mine. I think maybe this guy is finally the one that will give me a good use for that last ability on the Demir uh charm. Where it's uh Look at the top three cards of target player's library, then put one back and rest into that player's graveyard. This ability on the stack. Let's see what you got. Congratulations. You just won something stupidly expensive. Did we talk about the, uh, the wrecking ogre? Uh, no. No. Because it had not been previewed yet. This guy's stupid. So he's a 3-3 with double strike for four and a red. He's a a rare, and he's an ogre warrior. And he's a cross between Shrek and Wreck-It Ralph. So, (laughs) I'm going to wreck it! Anyway, uh, but that's not the important part. Like, that's pretty good. A 3-3 double strike for five. That's good. That's that's already pretty good, I think. But then, everyone knows how Blood Rush works. He's got Blood Rush. How stupid is that? For three red red and discard him. You can give an attacking creature plus three plus three and double strike until end of turn. But bam <laughs> I was gonna crazy. say this one actually feels like a hard one to decide because you also I mean you want a three three with double strike because you find any way to like pump it and you're just crazy. But yeah. but I, I say that that's a hard decision, but not really, because when the time comes where you know Okay, my four four is getting through. You're like, it's time to go. So, yeah, that's not actually all that hard at all. <laughs> Congratulations. Fourteen, like it ain't nothing. <sighs> Glad it's rare. It, it wouldn't be double strike and, and not be rare. Oh, dude, you did say frenzied tilling was reprinted. Or frenzied tilling was reprinted. That's crazy. Yeah. Between Frenzy Tilling and that um, green whatever that we fell in love with. Um, yeah, that. The that yeah. yeah. I'm kind of I'm glad that Frenzy Tilling got moved up to uncommon. It was common? 
Yeah, it, it was common in Invasion. <laughs> that's, oh, in Invasion. That's dumb. That's dumb. Oh, man. I just remember one of the first games I ever played against Nate. He, uh, he had a deck with four frenzy tilling in it, and he, like, played three in a row. And, but but he had nothing else to spend his mana on, and I just kept drawing land. So I was like, play a land. He's like, blow it up, rampant growth, your turn. I'm like, wow, that's a cool card. Play my land. Play this guy. Go. He's like, ah, frenzy tilling, blow that land, get a land, go. I'm like, all right, uh, play a land, play another guy. He's like, man, but make no mistake, this is a good card. I liked playing with Exploding Borders back in Alara Block. And for one more mana, this deals them no damage, blows up a land. And they don't get which one to sac- they don't get to choose which one to sacrifice. You actually like go blow up your gate. And that's important. That is. Oh, holy crap, I didn't see Gruel Rage Beast. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yes. Oh, yeah. I actually fight. made that card up and sent it to Wizards. I'm sorry, you got punked. It's the fight bee. Okay. Um, damn. Five are red and a green. It's a rare beast. Gruel Rage Beast. One, he's a 6-6. Six, six. So that's good. Whenever Gruel Rage Beast or another creature enters the battlefield under your control, that creature fights target creature and opponent controls. It turns every one of your dudes into a burn spell, and you might get to have a dude after that. Like, if you uh, choose properly, it's, it's a, a burn spell and a dude. This is the second rare in the Gruul um, event deck. Is it event deck or pre-construct? What, what are those called these in, days? Intro pack. Intro pack, yeah. Wow. And, I, you know, they released the, the list for that, but I don't think we should bother with it tonight. Uh, well, considering what time it is, no. Yeah. I'm just marking it. And I'm also going to say that the very next card, the High Priest of Penance, which we've talked before, is the second rare in the Orzhov uh, intro <laughs> deck. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Brian's happy. Is Brian happy? Brian is happy. He's so cute. There are a... I, I mentioned before with Graham, I was a little afraid when we were seeing stuff originally that there was going to be a couple um, of the uh, extort triggers. I knew there would probably be a decent amount, but there... I mean, there's a lot of them, honestly, when you look at it. They are all over the place at all different costs, which... I think gives it a lot of reach. No, no, reach is green. What do you think about Bane Alley Broker? I can't make up my mind. I is that the chick that looks like Riku? Yeah. I can't Bane tell. Alley Broker is really <laughs> difficult. To, well, yeah, tell us about it's, it. Mike. It's difficult to under to understand how to use properly. Um, Bane Alley Broker is a zero three rogue. She's uncommon. She costs one, a blue, and a black. And she has three different abilities. The first one is tap, draw a card, then exile a card from her hand face down. Her second ability says you may look at cards exiled with Bane Alley Broker. And then her last ability is pay a blue and a black and tap, return a card exiled with Bane Alley Broker to its owner's hand. Now, if that second ability didn't have a tap with it, I'd probably be happier. But there's two. There's a lot of opportunity to go, ha ha, when... You know, you just, I realize you have to be careful. Do, do you exile some of your better stuff so that maybe, you can do this in response to like someone playing a, a, a distress or something. Mm-hmm. So you can get it out of your hand, but then if they kill the creature, 
you're never going to get it back and know if this blinks out thanks to something and you get it back. The cards that it had previously exiled, those are still gone. It doesn't, when, when it says, when it refers to the cards exiled with Bane Alley Broker, it's referring to that card. And if that card leaves the battlefield for any reason, even if it comes back, the game says it's a new card. So, yeah. uh, there's a lot of like, I, I guess it, you can do this right. I'm not saying it's a bad card. It's really not. It's tap, draw a card. Um, I think the right way to do it is maybe always at the end of their turn and when you've got the mana to immediately untap and get that other card back if you need to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the safest and best way to do it. Unless you're just holding a bunch of crap and really need to look for something right now so you can play it on your turn. Sure. And I mean like past turn seven, eight, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, basically discard a land. Dig until you, uh, find what you need. I, I just couldn't make up my mind about it. Are we almost done? Are we? Yeah, I, I feel like sh- I think we should probably start wrapping it up. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's lots of cards. We could never cover them all if we wanted to. Well, I mean, we could. But and we I don't, well, I don't think the listeners. Would be, oh, look, they're talking about every card that. Dude, people will. If I don't get the limited resources set review up, people will actually track down where I live and kill me. If I don't get it up before the pre-release. And all they do is talk about all the cards. And they're not even all the cards. They talk about all the commons and uncommons. So people enjoy that sort of thing, but I don't enjoy it. Well, but that's <laughs> different. I mean, like, they're doing that, and people are listening to that to, you know, try and get ready for the pre-release. Right. Because they're listening for Marshall's opinions on that sort of stuff. I mean, I'm sure people are listening for our opinion on stuff. Otherwise, what yeah. are you doing? But I don't yeah. think it's it's... Nobody's going to go, oh, my God, you didn't talk about my favorite card this time. Yeah, that's why we hit the madcap skills was just because now that that gets us out of that, hey, you didn't talk about this card, you idiots. There's still a lot of interesting stuff here, like the 1,000 lashes and uh, what's that other, uh, the the green one that's ran blue-green that does the thing, the unex- unexpected, unexpected results. results. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking about that right now real quick. Unexpected results. Two, a green, and a blue. Rare sorcery. Shuffle your library. That's important. Then reveal the top card. If it's a non-land card, you can cast it without paying its mana cost. If it's a land card, you can put that onto the battlefield and put unexpected uh, results back into your hand. What the hell? This is awesome. Well, you weren't expecting to get that result from your experiment, so you're going to try again. (laughs) <laughs> for four mana, you get a free spell, or you get a land and another shot. Like, that's awesome. Oh, the land goes in untapped. Yeah. Yep, it does. <laughs> hey. What the hell? There's a lot of things this card doesn't say. <laughs> but it, what it, the important thing is that it does require the shuffling first. So you can't go set up my library, go boom, yay, game over. Uh, but I like that. I feel like this is, this, this to me, compare this to like Enter the Infinite where it's like, alright, now I know exactly what I want to do, you know, reward you for setting it up. This is, this is pure like really roll the die. What do we come up with? And I, I kind of appreciate that effect a lot more. But then again, I am kind of chaotic. I'm red somewhere. Yeah, you are. A little bit. Oh, but we, whoops, my headset fell off. Oh god, my head got smaller. Quick, somebody say how awesome I am. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, screw you guys. <laughs> um, 
So should should we call it then, gentlemen? I I literally have one last comment, and then I'm done. If lightning can cost three, why does purge the profane have to cost four? Wasn't lightning too good? Is that why? Lightning was. A little Are we admitting at this point that lightning was too good? I thought every book. Well, I, I mean, I think it's. It may be too good. I don't know if they've ever said though. Well, lightning was too good. May, I don't think lightning was too good. I think lightning was also a red card. So. Well, I also think lightning with Bloodbraid Elf was a was too good. Well, yeah, and here we don't even have Bloodbraid Elf, and gaining life is almost always not as good as losing life. Just generally, loss of life, for making someone else lose life is better than you gaining life. Just on the scale, they're not exactly equal. What card and are instead, we talking about again? Purge the Profane. What the for hell is two, that? For two, a white and a black to sorcery. Un, it's a common. Target opponent discards two cards and you gain two life. Oh, there it is. Okay. So, compared to Blightning, Blightning is one less mana, actually causes damage, and is three damage instead of two life. Yeah. yeah. Is, is way more better. Yeah. You know, now okay. I'm upset about that. What the hell? <laughs> that, but but okay now I'm really. I mean, really it's not like they were going to give us another Gerard's verdict or anything crazy like that. But I, I do get what you're saying. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Bitches. How come Orzov don't get no love? <laughs> maybe they didn't. Maybe they just didn't want to have too many um, cheap discard spells in the in the standard. That's maybe. also possible. Yeah. Oh well. There's a lot of good cheap discard right now. <laughs> hey, discard. Why you got a slut? <laughs> Uh, anyway, so final thoughts. Mm, Dirk, are you awake? Um, I'm. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, hey, Dirk, you want to throw out some final thoughts since you're asleep? Um, I am very much looking forward to playing Simic. Like the stuff that like I looked at the the intro pack and the the stuff in there is looks great. I've we've looked at all the the card list and everything and there's tons of stuff that just makes just makes Simic unfair to sometimes so I'm I'm really looking forward to playing Simic. So are you gonna Simic twice? I'm gonna Simic twice. Nice. You're not gonna mix it up at all? No. Ah <laughs> <laughs> huh, Dirk called you a dumbass. <laughs> Did you hear it? It was like no you dumbass. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh once I've got this I'm gonna go through my sixty card Simic deck and switch stuff out so that I can build my commander Simic deck. <laughs> nice. Assuming I get uh, one of the the legendary creatures from that. So man with the plan. Mm-hmm. Well, so looking forward to it. One. Were so you're gonna do uh, the midnight thing at Hypermind. Then mm-hmm. you're gonna be. We're all gonna meet at Brian's house, and then we're gonna go to the pre-release, right? And uh, let's. Yep. Okay, and I'm going to try. Now, listeners, please don't get mad if I don't make this happen, but I'm going to try to get this up, uh, like, before the pre-release, but I don't know. Actually, I realized uh, our server space is kind of limited because my dumbass has been encoding them a little too big and forgot, so I encoded the last one at whatever size I did, and it was there was no room for it. And I said, uh-oh, and I had to re-encode it back at the size we used to use. So this might not go up before the period. This might be a late episode, actually. <laughs> so I apologize, but I'm going to see if I can make it work. I am disappointed. My bad. And it was it's all my bad, because you guys don't do that. So, <laughs> sorry. 
So, final thoughts, Mike? Uh, I'm going to use my final thoughts to hit, to do quick hits on three more cards that are worth noting. Um, we got the mill card with Cypher that Brian was thinking about, Paranoid Delusions. How much does that mill? Is it five? It mills, it mills three. Three, I mean, not five. <laughs> yeah, so we got that, Paranoid Delusion. Um, I thought it was really funny to see Martial Glory is the opposite of um, Agony Warp. I know, That's right? Kind of funny. And then, and then, at common, Mortis Strider. Mortis Strider. Like, not since, um, Endless Cockroaches was printed in Portal have we had a card that says, you know, when this dies, put in your hand, you know, no nonsense, no BS, no talk to the library, no pay a cost, just put in your hand. Congratulations, you know, throw Get a party. cookie. Yeah. And, and the art is really cool, and it's like Skeletor if Skeletor wasn't a big wuss. <laughs> so I just wanted to point out those neat things among the many, many neat things that are in this set. Yeah. B? Let's see. I'm going to avoid going over more, car- over more cards, because first of all, I'm losing the ability to speak, apparently. And second of all, if I started on any one of them, I would be here all night. So I, uh, I'm going to say it was a great episode, and I want to thank Graham for being here, even though he's not here anymore. And I, oh, yeah, that was this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and I am looking forward to seeing everybody on Saturday and seeing how things shake up, go or solve. And I certainly wouldn't mind, you know, splashing red for an Aurelia's Fury or something like that. Hint, hint. Packaging people. So, if you get that in your uh, your guild pack, I'm calling shenanigans. Like you cannot get a. That's why I'm calling shenanigans. <laughs> okay, but there are you know a couple other packs. So, yeah. hey, a man can dream. At least two. <laughs> well, if I only get two other packs, then I'm calling shenanigans. Yeah. You're you're legally obliged, not just allowed, but obliged. To kick Lucky in the Jimmy. If you want to get two other packs. Like right so, in the Jimmy. But I'm going to hold off on making any of the final thoughts because I'm tired. And it's been, business has been a little, uh, busy lately. Funny how that works. So, <sighs> yes. Crime. All right. It always never pays. <laughs> it pays Brian sometimes though. Like when other people do crime. But never mind. So, yeah, yeah, Brian Brian is the only one who gets paid when crime happens. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's like, you know you want to go rob that liquor store. You know you do. I got a baby. <laughs> For the record, I do not endorse any uh, robbing of liquor stores. Or gun stores. That's gun probably stores. even worse. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm okay. Uh, anyway, so I guess... I can't think of any final thoughts. Everyone, if you haven't seen it, you should go watch the Friday night uh Friday nights videos uh in the link in the show notes over on uh Daily MTG. They are really funny. And check out if you're into video games, then you should definitely check out uh I think it's unskippable is mostly video game stuff cuz it's for the escapist. I might be wrong though. I might be making that up. I'm not as familiar with uh loading Raider Run as I would like to be. But anyway, but yeah, thanks to Graham. I'm glad we finally managed to coordinate this. And clues, if you're listening, ha ha. So, 
Yeah, and don't forget, we're going to GP Charlotte. So if anybody is even remotely thinking of going to GP Charlotte, go to GP Charlotte. Dude, everyone is going to be there. Everybody, like, in the podcasting community, a bunch of people from the magic community, anybody basically on the eastern seaboard, except for maybe BDM, are going to be there. And he might yeah. be there. I don't know. It's going to be nuts. And I'm going to be trying my best not to get to the front of the line to see Therese Nielsen and have something completely goony come out of my mouth. <laughs> I think it's pretty. What? <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be hard, but damn it, I'm going to try my best. Will you sign my beard? <laughs> we'll, we'll try and restrain you. <laughs> yes, I'll have him in a, a full Nelson. I'll be like, would you sign the card for this nice young man? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, there's that. All the usual stuff is in the show notes. And, and in a, an attempt to get people to subscribe to us directly, I started giving a watered-down version of the show notes and whatnot on MTG Cast these last couple episodes. So if you're looking at the show notes on MTG Cast, that's not it. Ha ha. <laughs> so sucks to be you. Go I told Lansdale, he's like, man, I need another mana pool. I haven't had one in a while. I'm like, I just pulled up last night. He goes, not on MTG Cast. I'm like, subscribe to us directly, stupid. He goes, eh, effort. I'm like, it's copy, paste, submit. He goes, I ain't got time for that. I was like, you bitch. It's not like we're behind a premium paywall. Well, not yet. You know, give us another few months, and I'm going to start having people pay for the show. Just, I'm lying. I'm totally lying. Oh, God, I can't say that, and people will be like, what? It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> what kind of content we could even offer for premium you just start putting up five minutes of the show and then cutting off and like if you want to hear the rest of this week's episode because you know <laughs> reduces you know you can, only, you can only get the first musical break anything after that you have to pay for bam <laughs> oh we're gonna have to start doing like the beginning of the mad lib and then do the musical break <laughs> oh. oh wow the ultimate wow you are evil <laughs> Uh, I'm thinking like the premium version can have like a DVD extra commentary, something like that. Mike's phone number. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, Brian, shut up. Will you listen to this? God, I can't believe we let him go on for so long. You know, stuff like that. Oh, man. We can get it set up like in Starship Troopers. You know, Brian will say blah, da, 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 and I'll be like, your sister's hot, and it'll pop up. Would you like to know more? Click here to see Brian's sister's Facebook page. Anyway, we're going to go now. So this has been another uh, episode, a fabulous episode of the Mana Pool. This was so much fun. So thank you all very much for listening. Have fun at the pre-release and uh, go play some magic.